Oh, and for the record, letting somebody think somebody they love is dead when they're not is quite cruel. I mourned you for three months. And in the third month of mourning you, I tracked you down. I wasn't trying to track you down. I was trying to track down the fucking assholes I thought killed you. So I find you. And what do I find? Not only are you not dead, you're getting married to some fucking jerk. And you're pregnant. I overreact. You overreacted? Is that your explanation? No, I didn't say I was going to explain myself. I said I was going to tell you the truth. Do you expect me to talk? Welcome to episode 106 of Do You Expect to Talk? Um, I'm your host, Becca, and always I'm joined by the illustrious Chris Byrne and Dave Bond. How are you both? Illustrious. <laughs> wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. Fuck off! <laughs> He's not ready for his eggs and bakey oh, yet. Sorry, I meant good evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a gargantuan entrance. Bit of a, bit of a sort of uh, Freudian slip there, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say good evening, and I yelled, fuck off. <laughs> I got off a lot of you. I think we've just lost half our listener base. Why? Because they're not used to me swearing. Now we're now down to five. <laughs> what? Because what? Dave told me to fuck off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've lost the Jackson five. <laughs> oh dear. I want you back! That's me. Thank you. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. Anyway, today is a momentous occasion. <laughs> yeah, we were discussing this beforehand. This is history in the making. Tell us it's why. The, it's because it's the first film we've ever covered where one of the leads died having a wank. What, in the <laughs> Yeah. Not in the <laughs> uh, Yeah, yes. Uh, David Carradine died six years after this film having a wank. Fun fact. Fun fact, folks! <laughs> Isn't that is yeah, lovely. Oh, dear, dear. It's just what how many how many famous people actually have died having a wank? Well, we we were talking about filmmakers, weren't we? And we were like, did Michael Hutchins ever make a film? <laughs> and apart from that, we were a bit lost. We didn't know who else. But also, you got people like Elvis, and uh, he died in the bathroom. You know That's something else. Who's died having a wank? Elvis tried. Elvis died trying to have a shit. But his colon had like collapsed or something, so we couldn't. Yeah, more for medical reasons. But think so. We don't really truly know because it's only because of like of where he was found that it was just it was well, evidently. Post and see that like he wasn't capable of having a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I I just don't I just something's dodgy about that whole thing. It's like why would you 
do it in it's a very, It's a very unlikely place to, to pass away, isn't it? Not really. I mean, you kind of exert yourself in there, don't you? You think it might be somewhere you're a bit, like, vulnerable. You had a heart attack and then... Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I, I guess it's private, of all things. Yeah. No, nobody's going to walk in on you. <laughs> to be eventually. fair, I think he'd had about 22 burgers in the previous six hours, so, like... Yeah, he had eaten quite a lot. Yeah. We're, but, you know, we're talking about an embarrassing death there, whereas David Carradine just died trying to asphyxiate himself whilst having a wank. Yeah, there was, like, there was talk about possibly maybe it was suspicious, like, of where. But we I don't know. We can go on together. We're suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so a, a first. For, do you expect us to talk? Anytime you watch Kill Bill in future, just remember he died with like a rope around his neck having a wank. That's your lasting image. Yeah. And um, Warren Beatty is still around. So, yeah. <gasps> so g- many g- times in this film, I wished it was Warren Beatty, g- not g- having a wank. Giving, giving well, the wrong uh, name at the Oscars, but there you are. But he did it right this time, so it was alright. Actually, no, to be fair, it actually wasn't him. I mean, he got the blame. He just read. It- he just read. Yeah, it was. Um, well, no, no. Actually, him. if you actually watch the uh, what happened, that like, is the Oscars last year. But it actually wasn't him. He 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 was meant to read it. He looked at it thinking, "Hang on, something's a bit wrong here." Yeah, and then he, they he do, he looked it at it and were like, "La La Land," and then fucked off. He stayed to sort of got all the shit for it. I thought really bad for him. <laughs> to be honest with you, it was yeah. Faye, it was, I blame Faye Dunaway. I mean, if that had been David Carradine, he'd have jerked off the wrong cock. <laughs> he, he would just, he, he would just have uh, uh, wanked off and <laughs> fucked off. Really. Not, not fingered. Yes, because he done away wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> what are we covering tonight, Becca? Tonight we finally get to Kill Bill Volume Two, starring Uma Thurman, David Carradine, Michael Madsen, Vivica A. Fox, Lucy Liu, Julie Dreyfus. And Shani Chiba, and many, many more. Music by Robert Rodriguez, fun fact about him coming up later in the show. Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, and released in 2004. That's great. Is Sunny Chiba actually in this volume? Um, no, but. Gordon well, Lewis? Well, te- yeah, Gordon Lewis, definitely. Technically, if I... you include the credits, they, they are like all cast, like Lucy Liu and all that. They are actually. But they're not actually in it, no. You could, but, yeah, I but mean. But they're in the. Like, I, I, I borrowed my cast list from last week because I hadn't. I ran out of time. Oh, fair enough. So you just read the same thing again. Apologies. Well, it's pretty much the same film anyway. I mean, David like, Carradine having a wank. I mean, like <laughs> right at the very end, it is. It kind of plays as if you just watched like both films back to back. You know, as if it was like the uh, it does the whole bloody affair. Yeah. yeah. So few months between the two don't you know just melt away when you get to the end credits. Definitely. Yeah. It all kind of merges into one. It, it did make me wish it was all just one big, massive, epic film, but... That'd be immense. I know. Uh, but there you are. Uh, I wonder how it would work, seeing it. I think it would probably work a lot better, rather than it's split. I've never particularly liked the split, but then, you know, I'm up for a three-and-a-half-hour film if it's the exception, not the norm. Yeah. You know. I think on, the, on this on this level, I think because it is... Quite, I, I think I, I still think that we reached peak Tarantino. Well, maybe perhaps by next week or the week after standards. Um, I would say this is probably acceptable for a three and a half hour film. Yeah, we ain't got to his best film yet, but there you go. Well, no, but that's, that's just in my opinion. But I, everyone's different. We say that now. Now we can like sit, like comfortably sit at home and watch it, you know, on Blu-ray or whatever. 
But if we had to say go to a cinema, that might be a little bit of a grueling experience. I'd just have hot dog and try not to sit up, sit on the seats that are like, got like spikes sticking out or anything. <laughs> I reckon I'd be all right. It's a very different film from last week. It just yeah. it yes. is as, as much as they sort of hang together. Even even the way it's shot just looks different. Uma Thurman is you know she's got slightly shorter hair in this. She's more tanned in this. It, it does feel almost like it was a different shoot. Well, it kind of wasn't. Whether they had any breaks, you know, downtime between. You know, in the middle, I was at between the two volumes when they shot it. They didn't really know it was two volumes, um, but whether they did have any breaks after, maybe. I mean, it's quite possible with the House of the Blue Leaves taking eight weeks to shoot. They had a break afterwards. If you go back and watch House of the Blue Leaves, she's got longer hair and she's very, very pale. In this film, her hair is slightly shorter. Well, you've got wigs and stuff. I know that, but she is noticeably a lot more tanned. It doesn't look like it was shot at exactly the same time. I, I, I do pick up your point that she does look a different. She's got a different haircut for starters. And yeah, she does look more tan. Maybe because of like of where she goes to meet Bud and she's picked up a tan on the way. Maybe. You know, but, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take that long to tan. No. no. Yeah, You've only got to have a few days. Yeah, even though she's but, it, it, but never it, mind. It is an odd thing, though, isn't it? You think, like, oh, what, why bother? You know, we just. Have it be what it is. Have it, have it this, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Or, or maybe there was a break and she had a bit of a tan and you just didn't pick it up. I don't know. I don't know. No idea. Um, did you Appreciate notice Michael Parks in this film? I did. But, no, uh, yeah, I, but I, did. I, I, I knew that anyway. Though. I didn't read him. You knew his name anyway. the credits. Did you? Becca? Uh, I noticed him, yes. Who did he play in this film? I can't remember his name. <laughs> Esteban Vihayol. Esteban, that's the one. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Legendary Almost, character. I didn't know at the time. Did not notice at the time at all. No. I, look it up I generally and thought... And as well. <laughs> and I don't mean to sound like real, like offensive here, but I just thought it was some Spanish actor, like some random Spanish actor I, knew, I didn't know anything about. I was like, oh, right, okay, it's it's some random dude. I don't, I don't no, know it's Michael about. Park. No, uh, Michael Park, some, some white American. <laughs> <laughs> some yeah. white American dude. Totally, totally different um, vibe of performance. I watched Grindhouse last night because I'm, I'm getting ready for like Death Proof next week. I will watch Death Proof separately as well. And yeah, you cannot tell that's the same guy unless you absolutely know what you're looking for. Mm. It's just testament to his versatility as an actor, I guess. Absolutely. And he, and he does have like command. He still has charisma, even though he's doing like uh, a fake a Spanish accent almost. He is. Still, very, very. He stands out, doesn't he? Yeah, I know. He's all like, ladies. American. Obviously, it had to be redubbed for American audiences because they didn't know who Chris Waddle was. They they had to like they had to like you know replace that with you know who Chris Waddle was. John Madden. <laughs> El Presidente. Yeah, I um, I struggle with this film. I really, I it, the original, the first volume came out in October. We waited for this, expecting it to be early February, something like February the tenth. I think it was going to be. By the time it turned up, it was either April or May. I forget which. I think it was uh, early. Now. I think it was March. I think it was even March no, or April. But you probably time. April. It was, it was either April or May. I promise you, because March would have been. Oh, that's just slipped a month. It slipped more than that. Yeah. 
Um, he had problems with the soundtrack. He didn't know what he wanted to put against things. Um, some of that was alleviated when Robert Rodriguez approached him and said, I'll write you a score. Um, I think it may well be he offered him, he offered, he, he made, he charged him a dollar for the score. Um, um, and then later on, uh, he did a scene for Robert Rodriguez. Quentin did for Sin City and charged him a dollar in return to do that scene. We have a cover, cover Sin City. I'll tell you what scene it was. Otherwise it doesn't really matter. Um, and then it came out and I just found all of the scenes in this film kind of outstaying their welcome. All of them. From the very first scene, we're at the chapel forever. Now, years later, when I know what's in that scene, and I'm not aching for it to speed along so I can find out what's going to happen, um, I can kind of enjoy it a little bit more, and it is beautifully shot. I mean, <coughs> you know, shooting in black and white isn't just a question of, like, turning the colour off. That I, I got really pissed off when things like Logan and... Mad Max uh, Fury Road came out in black and white, you know, black and chrome edition. <coughs> and people would say, oh, just turn the colour off. And it's like, no, <laughs> that's not, it's you know, not as simple that's, as that. that's it's not how you grade a fucking that. film, to be fair. No. But black and white in this looks really, really nice. But all of the scenes kind of outstay their welcome. Um, there's more Michael Madsen in this film. That's never a good thing. Um, I think all he's really stuff, good in this. I don't like him in this film. It's funny because Jim on the day of recording, Jim Bowen died, and just before recording, I said Michael Madsen in this film looks like a bullseye contestant. Also, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. um, well, he recently lost Ken Dodd or, and Professor Stephen Hawking. So. Yeah, he doesn't look like a contestant on either of those. No, but he does look like a bullseye contestant. He does a little bit. That's true. Yeah, really, really kind of trailer trash, literally, because he lives in a trailer. Although hopefully, um, we we don't kill Michael Madsen off. Uh, I'm kind of ambivalent on that. Um, but anyway, I, um, would, no, would you not feel guilty now if, like, if Michael Jackson turned out dead? Like, in, I would be like, oh my god! Pulled it on himself. It is the curse of Jesus. Talk. He, um, but all the stuff at his nightclub ain't great. You know where he's losing his job. Um, I just don't really enjoy any of that. Uh, some of the some of the sort of deconstructing of both the bride and her exploits in the first film is, is good. As much as I don't like the whole Beatrix kiddo thing, it does deconstruct her quite interestingly. She was this kind of, you know, woman with no name, if you like, and suddenly she's got, like, not a very cool name at all. The Crazy 88, such a cool name. And Bill's like that. Ah, they probably just thought it sounded cool. Um, I think the 88... Like the the number of it does have some significance as well, um, and I shall endeavour to find out what their significance is. I mean, it could have been it could have been that they were originally eighty eight of them, but some of them left well, yeah, and got exactly. killed, and then they like thought, oh well, not changing the name. <laughs> who, know, who knows? Well, it's, it's, it's like the, you know the five point exploding palm technique, whatever it is. And originally, originally that was like a ten point aspect, but now and there is they whittled it down to cut, five, and they needed to cut fifteen seconds off the running time of the film. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> And the thing, the, the, the emblematic, um, if I had to pick one thing in this film that was emblematic of the problems with it, uh, I would pick Bill's Superman speech. Mm. Because, um, firstly, everything he says is bollocks um, yeah. when he talks about the character. I mean, and this is a, this is a guy in Quentin Tarantino who I think knows comic books, but I don't really know Superman. 
and I'm not an expert, but he's based what he knows off the Christopher Reeve Superman films, frankly. But we'll get to that when we get to the scene. But it goes on for ages. It's it's self-consciously pop culture referency. Um, it's it, it sounds like someone trying to emulate Tarantino. They've seen Crimson Tide and they've seen a few other films and they've gone, oh, he knows a bit about comic books. You know, they've seen Reservoir Dogs with Silver Surfer posters on the wall and stuff. And they've gone, oh, yeah, he knows, you know, he knows comic books. So if you were mimicking him, you would do a scene like that. And it goes on forever. And when we get to next week's film, we're going to get to another film where um, the dialogue's a little bit like that. It, it, they all sound a bit like Quentin Tarantino, but the dialogue's not that good. Um, after that, we do have The Way Bill Dies, and The Way Bill Dies is kind of fucking lazy and half, half-assed. So after part one, it was a massive, massive disappointment. Having said that, it's really beautiful, this film. I mean, she's buried alive at one point. When she gets herself out of that, there's a long period of a walking back towards basically Bugs, Bud's trailer, and everything in that just looks gorgeous. It really does. All the stuff with um, all the stuff with um, Pai Mei is absolutely outstanding. Um, I noted earlier on how good the foley work is on this film. I mean, it just the uh, just the uh, just the little sort of incidental sound they've put in the film is, is really interesting and really, really well done. So it's not without merit, but there was a period of time where, I mean, he changes his mind a lot, but I heard Tarantino interviews where he said he felt Kill Bill 2 was his best film. And he said that probably before Inglorious Bastards. So he probably said it after about five films, if you count um, Kill Bill as one, if you like. He always says that. Um, no, he doesn't. He really, really doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. I've only ever heard him say it a couple of times. He he said it about this film, uh, but years later he said it about one of his later films, but he said he changed his mind from Reservoir Dogs, which I'd never heard him say before. So uh, if he's done like nine films, I guess, if you count the Kill Bills as two, and I guess you have to if he's saying Kill Bill 2, he's isolating that one then he's probably said it about three three of his films, which if he thinks either is his best or his favourite, over time. Um, and I think he's bang wrong when he said it about this. I think this was, this was the first Quentin Tarantino film I was massively disappointed by. I was really fucking bored by it. What do you guys think? Uh, Becca, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I kind of mixed feelings towards this one. Um, I think after the first film was so... Um, I kind of really struck a chord. Um it kind of didn't quite live up to the hype at the time. So watching it again, you can kind of see how it falls apart. Um, I would perhaps argue that some of his, I mean, Inglourious Bastards, I think, again, was excellent. Um, but certainly in terms of, like, um, Hateful Eight, for example, I remember going to see that at the cinema and was just, I just thought he was very soft and indulgent. Cool. Um, I'll explain to you in a few weeks' time why you're totally wrong. Well, no, this is, no, but I was saying performances <laughs> are really great. I love the setting, mm. the costumes, and the whole twisty turny plot. And... You know, it's always good to um, to see you know, to sort fair, of fast that you can assemble. I, I, I don't. But mean, I was getting towards it, like just because of the running time, literally just the length of it, which means. I, I, in all honesty, right? I've never, uh, as much as you say the costumes, I've never watched a film I don't like and thought, but yeah, but the coats are nice. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one of those things where you start noticing. I mean, I sort of notice those things anyway. But I mean, there's an argument that says, like, you know, once you start noticing like the costumes and you know, that sort of thing, it takes you out of the film. Mm. It takes you out of the fact that you know you're very aware 
to quote Peter Griffin, I'm very aware that you're watching a film. I right would now. I would say that the film probably isn't doing its job uh exactly. if, if, if you're, you're focusing on yeah, if you're focusing on the, the other aspects. I mean, maybe if you've seen it like a few times before and you kind of like yeah, you, you kind of Yeah, you can switch off and then you can start to notice the costumes and things like that. But no, like for example, I yeah, because I I sort of struggled with the running time and so I did start to pick up on all the that bit of detail here. Um and just obviously because I sort of done the American Studies degree sort of thing, so I think I was still accurate blah, 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 blah. Um Did you literally yeah, so, go blah, 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 blah. No, just like blah 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 blah. Okay. <laughs> but um yeah, so it makes us really I think if if I was to kind of rank them, I would say I enjoyed volume one more than volume two. Um I'll say last weekend last weekend, last time we didn't mention Shaw Brothers. This is probably the most Shaw Brothers um homage that Tarantino does through the throughout this um two film arc as it were. I do love the black and white, um also because I've like the black and white cinema as well. So I do like like you were saying, it's not just a case of turning the colour off, there's there's grading and there's a whole art form in itself. Um I think that's quite why I enjoy Sin City as well, obviously Uber violence, but you've got the cartoon aspect and black and white as well, so that kind of mixes it up a little bit. Um but yeah, I would say this is volume two um is my least favourite of the two films. But there's still aspects of it that I could enjoy. But just not as much as the first film, sadly. Yeah, I'm kind of kind of with you guys with this really. I mean I, I, I think I'll probably like it a bit more though. Uh, I think I, I think I think it's one of those films where I kind of liked it more as a as I went on. I mean I think I was kind of disappointed first time around because I think we you know, we were all expecting like something very much more an action based like we did we saw with volume one. Um this time round it was just very much like a come down and I think that was probably one of the problems with this, it's like it's it's basically a big long feature length film that's been cut in two, and we've had all the the big massive exciting spectacles type stuff at the beginning. But and we that, had it months before. Yeah, and yeah. That, and, that, and now we've just got like the the come down half of the of of the film, and where well, there's no there's no spectacle or like set or big set piece as such, uh, which I think probably the film needed to to at least work. At least somewhere, and if I'm not saying that it had to be with Bill, but I'm saying it needed something to kind of sell the film on because I think I particularly remember at the time there was um, the publicity for it. It was just kind of like was just sold as like let's kill Bill, and there was very little you actually saw of it. I mean, a lot of it was just Uma Thurman just talking to the camera as she was driving. Yeah, uh, yeah I remember that. So that yeah, that was maybe would have been like a clue to say like there's probably not a lot of action here. We've got no money shots in this to show you. Pretty much, yeah. Um, not that I would, not that I would expect money shots in this. To be fair, yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, and I think you're right. There. I think there are t- times where it's probably Tarantino's poorly written stuff, um, and uh, then uh, there are some some things I think okay, maybe you should have handled that better. Um, as we we'll get to, but there are things I like about it. I mean, I disagree with. Uh, Michael Madsen in this film. I mean, I mean, I do agree with the fact that yeah, he is a shit actor, but uh, but he t- won a speedboat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree that he's a shit actor, but you know, he has been good in two films, this and Reservoir Dogs, and I think here he's actually been given like an interesting no, character. No, 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 Reservoir Dogs and Die Another Day. Not Die Another Day. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I love the way he salvaged that mission by <laughs> Shrug- his just shrugging his shoulders like like he just didn't give a shit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah no, it, I think you know, I think his character there, there is a really odd complexity about that character that I kind of I've liked as the years gone by. I really like the idea that he's just just like on one, on the one hand, just a, a complete bum. He just he just like seems to let himself go, but he still has this weird, well not not weird, but he still has this like killer instinct. I mean, he does get one over on the bride, you know, and then he and he gets sloppy and he gets killed uh, by L. So uh, that there are elements in it that I just think are that's pretty well good. Uh, that that there are elements in it that I think are actually pretty well, well good. Pretty well good. I'll say that again. There are elements in it that I think are, pr- are pretty well good. Shut oh, up. you're not literally going to say it again. Okay, no. fair enough. No, there are elements in it that I think are decent. Uh, I think uh, the the cast are great as well. I think uh, we'll talk a bit more about uh, Dal Hannah. Uh, I think she's great. Um, uh, Bill, uh, the David Carradine, uh, Mister Wank yourself off and die in the cupboard somewhere. Um, he's. I, yeah, I, that's that's Mister Wank himself off in the cover to you guys. Yes, um, he, he he's great in it as well. I mean, I think he's less served by giving that again that poor Superman speech bit. It's bad, that isn't it? Mm. Yeah, but you know, but but he commands the screen. Yeah, he, he, he clearly has screen presence, and it's uh, it, and it's I can clearly see him as he he sells me as Bill. So. I think that's probably where we disagree, but but generally, yeah, it's kind of it's a film that's just lacking, and I think it's kind of missing its first half that it needed to make it complete. Um, and it's not it's it's got its flaws, but you know it's got plenty of good merits about it. So, okay, shall we discuss this film sequentially, folks? Go on, then. And why not? Well, in in terms of how far Tarantino can do. Sequential. Well, he largely does here. There's a couple of bits where we see some. We there are flashback sequences, mm. and there are bits where we see something again from the bride's perspective. But broadly speaking, he's done this in in a pretty much in order. Although we do start with um, we do start with a, a sort of slightly altered look at the shooting of the bride in the first film. Well, well first we start with like a, a really old fashioned black and white. You know, we basically get like the, what was the trailer of Irma Furman in the car talking to the camera, and it's very much like uh, I, I don't know what you call it. If I'm very much of like old school fifties vibe, but... it's like, it is like process photography. They tend to yeah, yeah. But again, it's got that um, the the score behind it as well is very. I I don't I I don't know what where would you call it. What, I don't, what era or what kind of? Uh, I really don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't quite know. I quite, don't really quite know what to make of it. Um, but it's just reintroducing it, and again, for for it being the sort of second film, and it's been a few months since the first one. Didn't really have a problem with this. Yeah. But I, I thought it started with the, the her being shocked because we basically it cuts to her and it says, "Look dead, didn't I?" Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. So she's on her way to Bill at that point. Um, yeah, and then uh, and then we do get like the the basically what actually happened at that chapel. We kind of get a roundup, uh, and it's all shot on black and white. 
everything about this film was just advertised in a way that was almost like designed to piss me off. Because like I read, uh, yeah, uh, Samuel L. Jackson will be appearing in Kill Bill too. I thought, oh, that's really cool. And then, like, uh, basically, he sat at a piano and said, "Fuck all." It's like, cameo. all right, br- brilliant. Thanks then. Um, this went on for fucking ever. It looked good, um, apart from the fact she's marrying Billy Idol. <laughs> Billy Idol. Well, he's not even that cool, to be fair. No, he's not actually. She's I mean, she's married. She's marrying someone you wouldn't believe in a million years she would marry. And I guess maybe that's the point because it is literally just. I, I mean, I, it's it's one of the problems with the Kill Bill films is I struggle to think she's literally got pregnant and within like uh, nine months she's marrying someone. Yeah, you know, I, I just kind of okay. That's. And, and and is he meant to believe that it's his kid as well? We don't know. We don't know. He does come across as a good guy, so maybe yeah. he would take on like another kid. Well, it's not taking on someone's kid. It's taking yeah. on someone who's pregnant. Yeah. Taking on someone's kid isn't that fucking heroic, but when someone's literally just fallen pregnant, yeah. maybe that's a tough yeah. act. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I, maybe it's just the blandness of the actor. No offense, I'm sorry to whoever the, the actor is, but... Billy Idol. <laughs> Idol. <laughs> it's Billy Idol. But he just strikes me as so... It's just like, how how did you land a gig in acting? I just don't... I don't... He, he auditioned and they wanted more, more, more. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing this does sell is two things. To did, me. Um, did, did he come? Did he come in the right dress? I think it's a nice day for a white wedding. Hey, hey, what a... <laughs> beat me to it. Um, he beat you to it by a long way, though. I reckon. Um, uh, yeah, the only two things this film sells before Bill turns up to me is, firstly, it does sell that kind of empty life she's had because she's got no one. Mm. There's no one on a, who's going to be on her side of the aisle. Um, and the second thing is how talented an actress and how wasted she's been in her career in a lot of ways, Uma Thurman has been. Yeah. Because just looks so relieved, happy. Her face just tells, like, a thousand little stories during this scene. You know, you get how lonely she's been you get how relieved she is that she's finally got someone she looks younger in a bizarre way and i think that's kind of like almost the lifting of like the stress her life's been to this point really like this i I don't like the scene very much but i like her in it and i like what it's trying to tell us uh as soon as bill turns up yes the bill stuff goes on too long as well but at least i see a bit of chemistry between him and uma thurman and it's beautifully shot. It is shot like a western. Yeah, you hear like Bill's flute, and that 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 scene where she's walking outside chapel. I just I just thought the searches, all that kind of typical western shot. Where like, well, start. westerns frequently, particularly like a Leone, you get yeah. close-ins on his faces, but they're shot wide as well. Mm. Um, and he does all of that, and and um, Tarantino's good at that stuff. I can see a lot of westerns in his is kind of not that I'm an expert on that genre, but I can see a lot of that sort of thing influencing him. I do think it's quite it's cool that he plays this kind of flute thing and not like the ukulele, <laughs> you know, a banjo. <laughs> when I'm cleaning windows, oh fuck, it's Bill. <laughs> It's just a shame it's not a jazz flute. It could have like beat Ron Burgers. Yeah, 
<laughs> well, yeah, he just, appears, he just appears under the pew. That's the best bit. That's the funniest bit of his head. Just appears under the he, he just casually pulls it on from the sleeve. Well, I didn't really come prepared, you know. Uh, it's the bit where he's doing like the fucking solo, and he appears under the door yeah. of the cubicle. <laughs> And I would love to. The first they saw a bill, he appears under the pew. <laughs> and just pops and I want to watch Anchorman now. Hang on. <laughs> Got to see if it's on Amazon while I'm looking at it. All right, go on. Yeah, so um, they go out, they, 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 they have a conversation. He's, and there's a bit of a. Uh, she's a bit uneasy. He's like. Almost it's like mixed emotion because she's like kind of pleased to see him, but kind of like dubious about um, shit. What's going to happen now? Uh, and they they kind of he kind of promises, well, and I've been nice, but I'll promise to be sweet. And that it seems to be going. Oh, we also we know what's going to happen anyway. But from her perspective, it seems to be going to go in like, oh well, he's kind of cool with it, kind of. Um, so the um, he meet he actually meets. Uh, the the groom to be, and, and I'm I'm trying to sell off that that he's his dad. That I'll say it again. And she tries to sell off that uh, he's her father, which I think kind of plays kind of well. <laughs> you can almost buy him as a. It's very. Um, it reminds me of Terminator Two, where they introduced the T one eight hundred as like fucking Uncle Bob. Yeah. Because uh, it, it comes out of the blue and no one looks particularly um, comfortable playing that yeah. role. Um, it's okay. It just goes on forever. It just this scene is so long. I mean, bear in mind they've they've cast Cat Samuel L. Jackson in it, who does like six films a year. So I mean, he does an awful lot of dreck. But at the same time, he is a big, big name. And and as much as people will do anything for Quentin if they work with him. I mean, they've even crammed him into this scene, and he's a tiny part of this scene. It tells you how long it goes on for. Yeah, I mean, this film is actually longer than the first one. A, a lot longer. It's, yeah. it's something like two and a half hours. The first one was something like one forty, one fifty, something around there. I don't think it's quite two and a half hours. I think it's like two hours ten, maybe two hours fifteen. I'm just going to look it up now, actually. But yeah, uh, the, the one is like one fifty to kill by one. So it's, uh, it's, 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 a good... a, it's 136 minutes, so we're looking we're looking like to, yeah, just over 215. Um, it feels it. It f- really, really feels it. The first one was let's have a look, uh, 111 minutes. So there's about 25. There's 25 minutes in length between the two of them. Mm. Uh, but I feel it. It's got none of the cassette kineticism of the first film. It's not designed to, to be mm. fair. It's it's hard to put that forward as a criticism because it, it's not meant to, but it, yeah, the film struggles in its running. It really, really does to me, anyway. Yeah, it could be because it's not it's not packing uh, a lot of its emotional weight. I mean, we'll get to the stuff with um, later on where I think it could have even used a bit more time on certain things rather than yeah, not, rather than like sort of oh let's get let's get to know what the 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 minister of the chapel was like you know it's just kind of well I don't give a shit to be honest uh, it doesn't really matter I mean oh it's... look there you know him and his wife are running it and they've got Rufus on the fucking piano and I mean like, I mean I, I do like the idea that you know Rufus is Samuel Jackson because it is it is just a but it, 
I guess it's just a cameo. You know, it's just one of those things. Those things when you when you watch the first film, is that even that shot that poor uh, piano player, and it, then the next film you find out it's actually Samuel L. Jackson, who's kind of like a little sort of. Well, not a little bit. It was just basically just a cameo, really. Just like yeah, it's a cameo. I've got no problem with him having a cameo, yeah. but um, it just feels and, long. And, and the film, the film can't rise and fall on its marketing. So the fact that they went, oh, Samuel L. Jackson in it, the fact that that's a letdown doesn't shouldn't really damage the film. But like I say, the scene just goes on forever. I feel like we've been talking about it forever. <laughs> We're communicating almost nothing in this scene. Other than we get a little bit of sort of flavour around what happened just before she was killed. Yeah, we get basically get an intro or intro killed. to she Bill. Wasn't killed, but you know what I mean. We get a, they thought she was killed. We get a proper intro to Bill. Yeah, and um, he plays jazz flute. Yeah, uh, and, and uh, then, yeah, and then we see him go in with machine guns and just shoot everyone. Well, yeah. on the outside. Well, yeah. Mind you, if if uh, if he's been on Bullseye and he's the dark player, <laughs> he, probably, he probably has pretty good aim. Look it up. If you're not from this country, look up Bullseye on YouTube. It's the bizarrest fucking idea for a, a, quiz, a game show you've ever fucking seen. It really is. It's very odd. It is, but it was really, really fucking working class. But then the sport it's based around is as well. Yeah, but it's very popular, uh, though. It was. And at almost every white week, they won or didn't win a speedboat. <laughs> anyway, it's really random. Like we, you know, we were talking about this already today. Is like a lot of people have, have died recently. Um, and like how bizarrely, obviously, like talking about Jimbo, and it's like how odd a speedboat would, would you know, was was a was how bizarre yeah. would you know, you'd, you'd have two guys on the show from somewhere completely landlocked and hundreds of miles from water who won a speedboat. Bizarre. It's like, what did you do with that then? Uh, right, so we come out of this sequence. Um, uh, we go on to sort of four, we come back to sort of present day. Hmm. We are post Kill Bill one, so she's already killed Oren and Vanita, um, and she's heading for Bud basically. Yeah, and we pick up to um, to Bud with Bill, and, and Bill's there at Bud's trailer, sort of telling her what's happened. Bill and, and Bud are brothers. Hmm. They totally don't buy that at all. They don't fucking look remotely alike. They must be adopted. I haven't got a clue how that works, but okay, fair enough. Mother, uh, brother from another lover, maybe. Different generation, different everything. Mm. You've, the guy from Kung Fu and a, and a contestant on Bullseye. I just, I don't, <laughs> I don't see it. But all right. Ah, poor my commands. Anyway, have a look what you could have won. It's a Hattori Hansel. So yeah, so he's warning, he's warning him about uh, basically Beatrix. Which yeah. is a stupid name anyway. Um, Do you know, um, I feel really guilty. Had we done this on our original time frame, this this review, we'd have done this about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, and I probably still would have pointed out that he looked like a bullseye contestant, and then Jim Bowen would have died today, and we would have thought we killed him. <laughs> so I'm actually quite relieved. Curse, I'm, I'm quite relieved we recorded this like the day after <laughs> Jim Bowen died. Yeah, we get back around. Do we get Bud at work and all that kind of shit? Yeah, well, yeah, we 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 get this. We get Bud at work afterwards. We get we yeah, basically warns her about um, Beatrix's kiddo, and he's he's just a bit. Yeah, well, whatever. Just like doesn't get. He, he says he's um, pawned off his samurai sword, and he just 
he just seems he just doesn't seem to care. Uh, so we, we can see him at work, and he gets seems to go. He turns up late and seems to have like a kind of very just like really relaxed attitude, but seems to get shit on by everyone, which is kind of which is an odd premise for a guy who is supposedly a badass. Not only that. You'd imagine some of their killings are like contract work. He should mm. be worth some money. Um, and he lives in the middle of nowhere, in like yeah. a trailer. And he works as, is it like a bouncer in a yeah, titty a bar ball, kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Um, all again, it's going to be a repeating theme of my review. This goes on forever. I don't care. He's not happy at work. He's not popular at work. Um, he's being, you know, demanded to do things like clean out toilets and stuff like that. He's clearly not doing well in life. But does the film have to take so fucking long telling us that? It's almost like if you've split it into two volumes, and this was probably like an hour of film stretched out. Yeah, it probably, probably could have been shaved down. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know if the uh, Hobbly Fair is a bit edited for the, for the volume two parts. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't be edited at all. Maybe it would have been like a four or five hour film. I haven't got a bloody clue, but I just know that <clears throat> separated from its predecessor, everything feels really drawn out. I'm I'm just yeah, not that happy with it. But the whole gist is the whole gist is um the bride is on the way to kill Bud. Mm. I think it sets up the audience expectations because they go, Oh the fuck, well the bride's gonna fucking walk this. Like How's he does that? look a mess, doesn't he? He he looks he's years past his peak. I mean, yeah. at the point where at the point where they killed him, they nearly killed her at the chapel. He was like a peak assassin. Four years on, he's a drunk in a shitty job. Yeah, and yeah, and apparently apparently holds grudge uh, holds a grudge against his, uh, Bill for which we don't know. But obviously, he's fallen out with 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 the, with him and. And he just seems to be like, just seems to be on a pity train, really. But again, this is all kind of like setting up to what's going to happen when the bride shows up. and thinking, well, um, you know, she's going to take, going to deal with him, no problem. Or you know, it's not going to be like, it's not going to come down to like a major fight, or so to speak. But it turns out when he comes back home, he actually gets one up on her. Yeah, which is not the same as getting one up her. No. Um, <laughs> he shoots her with rock salt, doesn't he? Yeah. Yes. I'm not quite sure why, but I suppose we've got to keep her alive. Maybe it's a reference to um, A View to a Kill. I doubt it. <laughs> I know it's yeah, not a reference. I'm sure Tarantino is like, yeah, A View to a Kill's iconic. Yeah, because you know, like, at the time, Michael Madsen was, like, casting a new Bond film, so he thought, so Tarantino thought... Ah, what's my favourite Bond film? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. That film's worse than no. Die Another Day. Well, you could argue. <laughs> I get it, I get it. That was that, uh, Roger Moore one. Uh, the one with uh, Christopher Walken. Uh, Future Kill, that's it. Yeah, yeah I can see Tarantino doing that's that. That's the one. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, from Bud's perspective, I mean, he's got his big, big whole plan drawn out of killing the bride and then burying and then. Burying her alive. Burying her alive. Uh, pres- presumably, again, he apparently hates his brother, but says, but, he's, but then tells her le- later on, "This is a break of my brother's heart." So he does kind of care for his brother to 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 some degree. Um, 
And then he lives he, in his brother's shadow. I think it's yeah. I think it's sibling rivalry. And he and he's a younger sibling as well. Mm. I mean I think it's shit casting, I really do, but even though they're too even though they're too far apart in age, the point that he would be the younger brother would still stand. Mm. Why not cast like Keith Carradine? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, carry on. True. Um, so I, mean, I, I, I don't know what okay, Keith Aldi or John Travolta as Bill. That's true. <laughs> anyway. Oh, the Vegas Brothers film we never got. Oh God, that would have been interesting. No one. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm glad we didn't get it. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, so he, he plans to. Sell... Becca did say interesting, not good. To be fair. Yeah. To yeah. True. <laughs> but I don't think it'll be that interesting. Well, it may be interesting in the no. sort. Of... It Maybe. would have been interesting, like, they cast him in a whole fucking film? Yeah, that, yeah. It, interesting in this in the sense that, how the fuck did this get made? Like, <laughs> um, Need to get in touch with the how did this get made people. Who did what? a great show on A View to a Kill. Exactly. Orphans Full Circle. Um, so, yeah, he plans to sort of sell off the, the saw to uh, L, L Driver? Yeah. 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 Um... He's called her. The, yeah, she's come there to buy his sword. They all want this Hattori Hanzo, and basically, even when he was active, he clearly didn't make a lot of those. Mm. They were difficult to get your hands on, and they were expensive. Yeah. So him. So Bill has one. Uh, Bud has one. Obviously, the others don't have one because uh, L was living in the shadow of Beatrix, almost with like a, I said, that same rivalry je- jealousy. So she. Well, she of... did. She did. L... Beatrix didn't have one until she went to Hattori and said, can I have a sword, please? Yeah, yeah, I know, but the fact, the fact that she Actual has dialogue, one... dialogue, folks. Yes. <laughs> can I have a sword, please? Bill 1, she says that. <laughs> but, but, the, but, but, the, but the sheer fact that it actually is hers uh, makes her want it. So it's that kind yeah, of... It's, it's specifically for her, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So... He hasn't made it for anybody else. Yeah, and plus she's just that, like, you know, demanding as well. She's just like wants, she just wants things. She just takes them, um, as we'll find later on. So, yes, yeah, so that's that's Bud's whole plan. So he basically buries her alive, and then wakey wakey eggs and, eggs and bacon. bacon. I fucking hated that line. Hence, since why you told me to fuck off when I said it. Yeah, sort of. I just thought it was awful. I just thought everything just felt so self conscious in this film. In his writing, it was just like. He used to sort of throw out these lines that were effortlessly kind of amusing and stuff. But now he's trying it's, to, you can see the word. It, it was almost it. like, I've got to say something here. It, it, it's almost like when we went back to Bond and you had like Brosnan forcing lines in where they weren't meant to go and stuff like that. Just because, oh, fucking rubbish. I hated it. I really, really hated that line. And it jarred on first watch. It was mm. almost like I'm sat in the cinema and he said that and I was like, ooh, you know? It, Really your like thing is, though, Dave. For me, it was instantly quotable. <laughs> so yeah, it kind of worked. So kind of works differently. I bet you yeah. delivered it better, though. <laughs> I, some, I don't like the actor very much, obviously. But like the the last thing, Michael Ma- Michael Madsen does have his uses and his talents for everything I've said. <clears throat> uh, he's not designed for like delivering lines, really. Certainly not like quips. Doesn't I don't like it. But he does bury her alive, and that lends that leads us to the whole background of uh, the Pi May stuff mm. with Gordon Liu again, who was Johnny Moe last week. 
Yeah, so we get oh, yeah. we get uh, Uma Thurman flashback. It all goes flashback now. Uh, Uma Thurman. Probably the best bit of the film. What, the Pyme stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. definitely. Because suddenly he's alive again as a filmmaker. It's, you can feel all the Eastern influences in the camera work, the Foley work. Pai May is a character from Eastern cinema. Gordon Lewis, the, the actor, like yeah. fought that character in another film and stuff like that. So suddenly the, the whole thing, the whole thing's alive again. I mean, there's a bit of uh, there's a scene around a campfire with Bill and uh, the bride before that, and they've got real chemistry. I I like that. I like I like David Carradine in that scene as well. Yeah. But all the Pi May stuff, it's desaturated and grainy. But that's almost like to imply it's old, really. It's like some time ago. Um, I love all this. I think this is yeah. absolutely brilliant, all of it. Because Uma Thurman is like looking at David Carradine just in that proper like girl school crush at her eyes, really. And she's just probably just like mesmerized by. She plays. Um, do you know for for just basically a genre film? I don't think I've seen an actress go through like a journey of like maturing through a film like that since probably um, Jessica Chastain in Zero Dark Thirty. In that film, that character goes from like an ingenue to like a a real sort of um, seasoned, slightly wary agent. And they don't do it in any cliched way. It's just very, very subtly done. I see this with Uma Thurman. She can play kind of naive and wide-eyed really well. Yeah, she does a, re- she does a really good job in this film. Uh, and I, I, if I had to, uh, you know, it's funny, if I had to pick one of my main faults of it, and I think what really kind of just underpins the, the film slightly, is I could have done a bit more Pi May stuff. Definitely. Uh, just, just because... The idea that I mean, bear in mind, I am jumping ahead here. The idea that out of all the people that Pai Mei teaches the exploding five palm trick thingy, um, <laughs> I'm not going to get it right. Uh, I, I don't really care to be honest with you. <laughs> the like, five point palm heart exploding. There you are. Technique. Yeah. What Becca said. Um, <laughs> the 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 mere fact that oh, Pai Mei the, chose. There are super fans out there going, "You can't get the name right. You've been in for hours." Yes, but I refer you to my earlier comment during Star Wars. It's free, so fuck off. The mere fact that that Primate decided to um, teach Uma Thurman how that trick, as opposed to anyone else, it just isn't quite sold to me. It, it's left it's more less handy, isn't it? Yeah, it's left as like a surprise, more you know. But I mean, I suppose it should be a surprise, but at the same time, it should be a surprise that, that really goes like. Oh, yeah, of course, because, like, we get that. Here, it just kind of relies on the old cliché, really. It's like, well, it's a cliché of that happening, so we, you know, of the wise master who who kind of, like, trains the once disobedient students to, to, be, to, be, to become this... Well, the thing I, I didn't buy in it as well is, we talked last week about the casting of Daryl Hannah in the as great as she is she's older than you would naturally expect but then further on in the show i was like oh well perhaps um she was like a predecessor she was literally the bride before the bride was the bride Mm. 
But then later we find out she killed Pai Mei, so she was after the bride, which doesn't kind of make sense to me. I always, I always bought a little. How old bit is Daryl Hannah in comparison to Uma Thurman? Daryl Hannah was born in about ten years older. I think. Oh really? I th- I, I th- yeah, Daryl Hannah, I think, was born in nineteen sixty, and I think, without looking, Uma Thurman was born in nineteen seventy. She looks great, Daryl Hannah, in it. She does. I've got no problem with her in it. I think she's absolutely terrific, and she's only early forties at this point. Mm. But bear in mind, Uma Thurman's early 30s at this point. And I always bought that, like, I mean, they they tried to kill her because Bill said, try to kill her, you know, go go kill her. But I also always felt that there was a little bit of jealousy from the rest of the Viper Deadly Viper assassination squad towards her because she was like the new hot young fucking thing. Yeah. You know, I always I always bought it as a bit of jealousy, so it doesn't actually kind of make sense that she was trained by Paime earlier. I mean, the, I mean, to be honest, we haven't really got full context though. Like not everyone no. not everyone goes to see Paime. You, you, no. you know what I mean? I mean, I don't think Bill or Yeah, you like, know, you got to suck Bill's cock to get that. Y- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but it could it could be like that. I mean, it it could be the fact that you, you know, Pyme is one of those like spe- like I, I I don't want to watch Bud earning his slot. <laughs> well, yeah, I can't. <laughs> yeah, but I can't. I, you know, I mean, oh, I don't... go on then. Just yeah, oh, oh, Ren never saw Pyme. Um, well, that um, we know of. Yeah. But no, no, we no, we we didn't. She didn't. She didn't. So, we get a backstory enough to surmise she didn't. I, I yeah. So I think Pyme was like one of the the vast people that he knows who can train people. And it's like it, it may be like the, the the one one person who he knows who can like sort of get the best out of people who you know who he thinks of you need it. So like someone who like like uh, Beatrix Kiddo who is really young and as you said like you're kind of wise beyond your years, but he kind of sees like yes, but if Pine Bay trains you, you could get you to that level. Uh, he could have. Done uh, L driver could have like taken to see Pyme to teach her a bit of obedience because obviously she probably lacks a bit of that. Um, that went well. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean that that's me spitballing because the film doesn't explain any of this. So no, no but it, all kind of makes, it kind of makes a sense. That's, yeah. yeah, right, fair enough. But the whole sequence is great. We basically get her training. We get her learning the the. Um, we hear reference to the five point. Five, what's yeah. it? Five point, what is <laughs> it again? Fi- the five exploding heart trick thingy. Five point, well, yeah, five, 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 that's it. Five point, five exploding heart technique, that's the one. Heart. Um, and we also get her learning the one inch punch and all the rest of it, which has some basis in fact, because Bruce Lee could do something similar. Um, but it's just great. It, it's just a great little break in the film. Uh, I love Pai Mei just as a character. But also the way it's shot, lots of sort of pans in and, you know, whip pans and, yeah. and this kind of swishy foley work. And stroke really his good. beard. <laughs> the <laughs> constant stroke of the beard. It's great. It's good. I mean, like, he's kind of, he's kind of like a likeable arsehole. And he really, <laughs> he's just like such a dick to everyone and everything. Yeah, but it's part of the training. It's, yeah. It seems to be based around sort of humility first. But there you go. Um, again, goes on a bit long, but only yeah. in the context of this film because I could have watched a lot more of it. But in the flow of the film, 
I feel like we're with it a bit too long. Yeah, I th- I just think we could have done a bit more. I think I think I think in the train we could have seen a little bit more personal connection between the two, just to understand the reason why. Pyme... Well, she's devast- she's devastated when she finds out L poisoned him. Yes, and I don't see anything to explain why, because he makes her life an absolute misery. You can understand some gratitude for the skills hmm. he gave her, but at the same time, you'd still expect her to be like, you didn't have to be that much of a dick about it. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, but that whole, that whole bit where it's revealed is is one of the, the, the times where the dialogue's just like, oh no, this is just, this isn't well worth and this is kind of lazy for Tarantino. This is, feels very much like... What the hundred percent wrong? You're totally hundred percent wrong, hundred percent right thing. No, it's no, just... the the whole like, yeah, I killed your master, and then I'm gonna kill you. It's just like, no, no, it's just that's. But that's... yeah, it cuts to her actually killing him, and and yeah, they they kind of echo each other's dialogue, and it's really like it's overly long winded again. It's a guy who's like in love with his own dialogue, and it's like it's not actually working, Quentin. It does most of the time. Your whole career has like. It has lived up to the hype, but it's not really working here. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the film does do. I mean, there, there's another cut away. Yeah, I think, as you said, they're 100% right and wrong. You know, it's like, did we really need that cut away? Do we? Does that? You know, don't we no. not just? We we don't need to see it. If we do see it, we don't need to linger on it as long as we do. Um, I mean, I mean, that, that whole scene can be done in two lines of dialogue. Two yeah, or three lines of dialogue. The only echo, of course, is uh, she. We wondered how she lost an eye. Pyme snatched it out for calling yeah. him an old fool. Yeah, and of course, his greatest protege snatches out the other one mm. and gets the exact same reaction from her in terms of pain and wriggling and the way she moves and everything. So there's a nice bit of echoing there, but all to what purpose? I'm not quite sure. But anyway, we've jumped ahead now. <laughs> so yeah, it's good. we have. Uh, so, yeah, so, what we've done, what we've done, so we basically get all the, the training, to, the, the Rocky montage, we get the Rocky montage with Pai Mei and the, yeah. and the, the back <laughs> projection with the dude. Where she shags Adrian fit, I oh, know. <laughs> we need a montage! We do it in the montage! Oh my god. Excuse me, you want to go and watch Team America? Oh, Team America's great, isn't it? Um, so... Yeah, so we get basically go back to the uh, the coffin, and she goes, "Oh, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll oh, I'll use that I'll use that technique I've just been reminiscing about." Yeah. Get my way out of the coffin. Yes. Yeah. Um, obviously, he still doesn't have the uh, the technique pie we had of just literally just a, one, <laughs> sing, one single punch straight she through still, solid. She still cuts the shit out of her hands and yeah. stuff. Like she didn't quite master it. The one bit of the film on first watch that like I remember and also remember going oh I really like that was the bit where she ha- she gets out of there and ha- with her carry montage with her carry homage the hand coming out of the earth yeah totally oh, yeah. like the end of Brian De Palma's carry and then yeah. she had and Brian De Palma is one of his very favorite filmmakers so I got to think that's deliberate mm. and then she heads for a diner with like dust and dirt flying off her and that's the one <laughs> bit where I thought oh I like that <laughs> In the entire film, I thought, oh, that bit works really well. Well, it just goes, uh, can I have a glass of water, please? Just, just smiles really sweetly, just like as if nothing's wrong. Um, I, I do. It's one of those funny things, like being like, cl- like climbing out of your buried grave. I just think 
you know, once she's like punched the hole through the coffin and soils aren't pouring, I get the fact that you'd be able to sort of like climb through, but just how it's kind of shot of her kind of like just zooming up. It's like Superman soil. going down into the earth in yeah. like su- the first Superman film. Yeah. She's just like propelled. Upwards. I just, I just, yeah, I just don't think it's that easy. I still think it would, it would be a bit of a struggle to kind of like drown in dirt. But there you are, you know. But um, whatever. The whole uh, thing's just so what. I mean, as a way to get us into the flashback, that's cool. I really like all the Pi May stuff. But all of this, really, if you take the flashback out of it for a minute. She goes to see Bud, and all of this basically leads her to go back to Bud, and we've lost, like, 20 minutes, half an hour. Well, yeah, it's pretty much like we're coming to, like, close to the hour. And yeah. an, an hour's worth of film. I mean, I, I remember, like, because it's when Elle meets uh, Bud is is within that scene together. It's where we actually find out Beatrice's uh, real name, or the bride's real name, which is Beatrice Kiddo. Um, yeah. Which, which, which I think we we said uh, last which episode. It's a pretty cool little joke, yeah. Yeah, we said like last episode, but it just means nothing. It's just like, oh, so it's what? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, well, as a one joke with her like dressed as a schoolgirl with around children with register being called, that's funny. But it it doesn't justify the whole fucking thing as an idea. Yeah. No. Uh, so, yeah. So we get El goes to see Bud. Uh, they yeah. have and it turns, and it, yeah, it turns out as she's heading in, uh, the bride's watching. But mm. we get that like later. But the very little playing with time in this film, but that's just one of the few times it does. She's gone there to buy the Hanzo sword. Yeah, and she's there a big bag of money. Because um... yeah, because no, no one has like standing orders or bank or make a clearing service or anything no. like that in this world no well it's a movie world isn't it so everything's done with like big bags of cash any dodge dealings done with big so. yeah. oh I know um, so yeah that's online banking probably isn't a thing yet yeah so uh, Bud asks uh, what's the uh, what's the biggest R she um, she feels is it relief or regret um, and it's called well, again. This is kind of like Tarantino saying that, yeah. Well, you, you obviously feel both, but which one do you feel the most? It's like that uh, scene that was cut from uh, Pop Fiction about Elvis or the yeah, Beatles. Yeah, yeah. and Ella so leaves her. Do, black do you mamba. feel regret or or relief? Yeah, and the answer is John Lennon. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. And yeah, and Elle leaves a, a black mumper in the in the money. Yeah, which uh, just what a load of fucking bollocks that is. But fair enough. Um, and he's bit in the face. Ouch! And, he, and then he swells to he swells in the face to look even more like a bullseye contestant. <laughs> Basically, oh. add a degree of obesity <laughs> and possible alcohol abuse. <laughs> in terms of look. And maybe a loss of a finger. Um. um and then she, I mean, she, the, one of the few bits of dialogue that I think is poor but is made to work is her going on about the black mamba snake. Hmm. But I like the little touches she's written it down in her notebooks. Like she's read that and gone, that's really fucking interesting. I'll write that down. Yeah. Um, she's I done her research. Like, yeah, but yeah. All very self indulgent, but it actually is made to work by Daryl Hannah. Yeah. 
she is really great in this. She like the way she just delivers her lines with relish. She's so, she just really she hams it up it but in a really good way. Yeah, when we say that's better, true, actually, yeah, I would agree that stuff one. you put on burgers. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you say ham, it like that. with garlic mayo. Tasty. <laughs> uh, no, I, I would say like she, the, yeah, the way she kind of delivers the lines, I think that is one of the high points of the film, as you know, one of the plus points of the film. So I would agree with you, there, Chris. Yeah, well, since like, the word gargantuan is like. Oh. You know, I do love and the word really, at, at, at this point, I'm, th- I'm thinking over for Selma Hayek dancing with an otter. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she she goes like, okay, well, I've got my sword, I've got my money, but do do do, and what? then yeah, she then... she opens the door and basically the bride comes flying in it like sideways. As you do, it's it's a bit like Hong Kong Fui flying out yeah. of this fucking like filing cabinet. Um, now this sequence, he had a way he wanted to shoot it, and then he saw Jackass the movie and changed his mind. I don't know if that's a good idea or not. Was this more? Of a, was this going to be a more eloquent fight sequence? I think so. Yeah, I think he 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 made it more slapstick after watching Jackass. See, I think it kind of works because they are in a trailer home. So, it so you're, you're, yeah, you're limited for room, and you're grabbing whatever's to hand and all that. I think it works okay, actually. I really do. And plus, it's like there's an element of like bitch fight as well, where it's two two girls having a going at it. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry I was just I was just, I'm thinking about two girls going at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, carry on. It, it, it no, it's a pretty decent fight. I mean, it, it's uh, like. Problem is, I'm I'm damning all the good bits with faint praise. This this is pretty good. It's okay. The snatch of the eye is really good. That's like yeah, that. that's quite clever. Yeah, I, yeah, that's it's a bit obviously grim what happens, but I think it's pretty, it's done in a cool way. Mm. And I love her stepping on the eye as well. Yeah, cool. I, I like I like the idea that um, of uh, Bud actually not selling his sword. It was always there as a kind of like a. Huh. It's almost like he likes a good shit stir. Yeah, yeah, I sold it. You know this priceless fucking gift I was given. I pawned it. Yeah. Well, he didn't. Yeah, and it's kind of like I thought you say so. Well, I guess that makes him a liar now, doesn't it? You know, it's uh, it's a nice little mm-hmm. oh, well. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I do love the idea of uh, snatching the eye. It's almost like uh, it it's almost like a fate worse than death almost. Well, she's in the middle of the desert. Yeah, in a, a trailer in a with a black that's got a, that's got a snake knocking around in there, and she and she's blind. Yeah. Um, one of the things that have bugged me though, she didn't take the money. Yeah, it's not, you know, like, it does annoy me as well. It's like, uh, really? Never you really know, you know, it, it, yeah, it shows how engaged I was. Yeah, I guess it's just like yeah, true. where how the where the film was going, you know, with like where the film ends up. And obviously, the bride doesn't know this at this point. But where the where the film ends up with like, which where she's like with a door, you think it would tie things up nicely to her to have like a a nice big bag of money to kind of like start a new life together. You, you think? Yeah. But anyway. But like, how thin this is because actually we're about to start Act Three, right? Because basically we've had a bit of the chapel, we've had a heading to Bud. We've had her, like, buried alive. She's come out, had this fight with the bride. Uh, sorry, with El Driver. 
that finishes, and then she heads to Bill. That that's all that's in this film for two and a quarter hours. It's self indulgent as fuck. It really is. I just think it's. As... I just think it's just lacking because because of like they split the film in two. It, it it's just missing that something. You know, it's just missing that kind of. It, I think there's a certain thing when you when you get like your natural story and you and you split it into two different parts and two different features. Something's got to give, and you, and usually it's it's the latter ones that that suffer from that because it's just feel, it just feels like it's just missing something. Or or in terms of like uh, usually in trilogy, it's usually it's usually the middle one that kind of is lacking. But here it just feels like it's just missing its connective tissue almost. Yeah, so we're hurtling to the third act. Though actually, it's only about like forty five minutes of the film left. Uh, about about an hour, but that's including like the big long credit sequence afterwards as well. So, yeah, so she's off to see Mexican McGraw, <laughs> Michael Parks. Yes, did not recognise this on first viewing. No, it took me well. Well, yeah. I, I thought it was some Spanish dude. So there you are. Well, yeah, she went to see, she basically goes to see a pimp. Who knew Bill's mother, which implies she was raised by he was raised by a prostitute, mm-hmm. um, and she goes there to get Bill. She's driving along the dirt road. That is clearly where the accident that's been in the press recently yeah. came from. Um, I don't want to comment on the rights and wrongs of it, but there was one thing that Quentin said that I thought, yeah, that actually makes sense. When they talk about it as a stunt goes gone wrong, he says, "Well, none of us ever thought of it as a stunt. It's just driving." And actually, when you look at it, it is. It's just it's just a dirt road with a lot of loose sort of dirt on it. So, therefore, I suppose there's less grip. But it doesn't play like a stunt. She's just driving. It just, something went wrong. Now, whether she should have been made to do that is a different matter. But um, she heads to see uh, Esteban, who is basically a pimp, and she's looking for Bill. Yeah, I, I think her performance is great in this scene as well. She's really charming. Yeah. There's a really sort of, like, you know, she, by the time she asks, like, where where's Bill the second time, where she's just yeah. kind of like, Bill. She, I think she, yeah, she's really, really great in this. She looks really yeah. cool as fuck as well. Yeah, and um, She's actually properly beautiful in the scene. Uma Thurman isn't always. It's She's striking, <clears throat> but she's unusual looking in that she can she can run the gamut from like really attractive to really not that attractive, and with a bit of a tan in the way they've dressed her, she actually looks properly beautiful in the sequence. I begrudgingly, I, I would. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, he obviously I've been telling like a big long story about like and um, about oh I once took Bill to see the postman always knocks twice. You know, I was like okay. And he, and, he, and he makes a comment about that, oh, well, you know, I, that, that's a bit harsh shooting your head out. I, I just would have cut your face. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> You're a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, so he, he tells he tells um, Uma Thurman where Bill is. Yeah, that's her actual name, Boom Thurman, in the film. <laughs> so, yeah, um, she goes up to his house. He's got quite a nice house. Did, did, did this bit remind you a little bit of the... Uh, Hotel and Casino Royale, with the big roundabout and the entrance. Oh, yeah, no, I know that's true. Um, it, it, yeah, it, 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 was, it, it was kind of like a big, um, 
almost yeah, like an estate. Like that, it? it was like a big estate of different things. You know, things. It was like house numbers as well. So it was like what yeah. what through reception. There are, I've never really thought about it, but yeah, kind of. It's obviously a lot more sort of Spanish or Mexican, obviously, influenced than that. And of course, she goes into the property with the sword. That I'm sure there's continuity errors with that sword on her back. I'm sure it keeps changing angle, but I might have imagined it. It does um, a little bit like like pointing different ways at different times. She goes in, and obviously, Bill's there with her daughter, and she had no idea. And she plays that really, really well. She finds her daughter alive. It is kind of fucked up way to induce your daughter. To, you thought he was dead with a little game of like shooting each oh, other. Yeah, mummy, fall down. You're dead. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. I have to say, on balance, this whole act of the film is utter shit. It, <laughs> looks, it looks really good. Um, I think certainly Carradine sort of earns his part in the film here, as much as I might have preferred Warren Beatty, and I stand by that, because there were bits where I was watching it earlier tonight and thinking, God, I would have loved that to ruin Warren Beatty. But it, it works, and he's really good. Um, but it's really fucking long-winded again. It's like 40 minutes of absolute fucking bollocks mm. leading right up to her just poking him in the chest five times. And that, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's jumping about five steps, I know. But, I mean... So I've just got the image of Luke Firm just going like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> Done. Um, yeah, he, uh, they put BB to bed and... I don't know what point he's trying to make because um, Tarantino, because um, well, they have a goes, t- have a talk about like a goldfish being dead on the floor, not flapping on the floor. It's so and, fucking what? Um, and then he puts it to bed, and they watch uh, fucking Shogun Assassin. Assassin, which is pretty good, by the way. That's another film that is worth checking out. Mm, but, um, but like. I don't know what point you're trying to make there. I mean, I know Tarantino's got it in his head that, like, people of any age should watch anything. Like, young kids should watch his films and stuff. Fine, I don't care. I don't really don't. But, like, Shogun Assassin? All right, fair enough. And then she comes out and says... But a warrior and and the the child, isn't it? So, I guess that's that I guess. I don't know. And then Bill shoots Beatrix with a dart that's got, like, a serum in it. And it's because... It's the truth. The undisputed truth. Or something like that. And again, but he has to explain it to the nth fucking degree. It, it It's twice as strong as sodium pentothal. I call it the undisputed truth. You've just shot her with a truth serum. We don't need 20 minutes of your yeah, like, no, what, what, Wouldn't this have been better had... If you took away all the all the truth serum stuff, like, with the, like the dart and stuff, and, yeah. you, and, and you just literally just had a, a full-on, frank conversation... These two. You don't need this serum bollocks. Nothing in this film, either film, has painted her particularly as a liar. Yes, she did leave him and probably did deceive him that she was leaving him and all the rest of it. Mm. But that was to save her fucking life and the life of her unborn and stuff. It, it's nothing in this film paints her as wildly dishonest. And now all of a sudden he's got to like shoot her to get any kind of honesty out of her. The film hasn't solved that. This is absolute bollocks and completely unnecessary. And it just adds a load of padding to a film that's too long already. They could have sat down and had a full and frank conversation. You don't need this. Yeah, especially if it was, you know, as good as right as Tarantino is, he could have easily aptly sold like 30 minutes of them just talking and would probably be just as happy with it. 
Yeah, and actually it would have used up just as much time, but just would have been better. But um, yeah, it, it, then he goes on his, onto his Superman bit. What he's trying to say is that the are your inherent character. Yeah. You know, she's gone off to marry this guy and live like a life working in a record store or something like that. But you are Beatrix Kiddo. And he and, and to give an example, he talks about how Superman uh, is Superman and Clark Kent is the disguise. And he and he makes the point that Clark Kent is Superman's critique of the world because Clark Kent is bumbling and all the rest of it. Which is not There's true. A, it's not true. It's a guy who's no. watched the fucking Christopher Reeve films, and that's it. Yeah. Well, uh, and I'm not a even, but Dave, even if you just watched Christopher Reeve films, even then you'd say, "Well, I'm not sure that's necessarily the case." It's not a critique. It's not a critique. Clark Kent is Clark Kent is the best of us. He's honest. He's decent. He he gets a job in the city, and the first thing he does is said, "Send half of the salary to look after my mother." Clark Kent is a wonderful man. The bumbling bit is purely to draw a physical contrast from Superman. That's all. It's not a critique on the human race, because if we were all like Clark Kent in that film, the mm. human race would be in better shape. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's the whole uh, point. I mean, that's the point I was going to make, even if you were to believe that kind of, like, cl- you know, Clark Kent is is like a bumbling and all this stuff. That's that's his old stick. Well, the whole yeah. point of that is to, is to kind of, like, dis well, to kind of make people not draw comparisons to the fact that he's Superman. I mean, the whole point, even though it's kind of in uh, Superman Returns, where they kind of, like, consider Clark and kind of, like, laugh laugh at the idea. That's the whole point, the fact that he's just, like, a goofball. You know, it's like, come on, Clark, I just thought Superman. it was really important. The thing is, it, A, it's not how people talk to each other, yeah. even allowing for the fact it's a film. But, but on top of that, it goes on forever. He takes ages to... This fucking analogy, which turns out to be bullshit at the end of it anyway. Uh, I, I guess there's one thing that uh, David Carradine didn't sell is, is the idea that he reads comic books. No. And you know, and, and that's nothing to do with the, the dialogue he was given. It's just like, you know... He, he reads Asphyxiation <sighs> Monthly. <laughs> no, no, it's like... Okay. He was Mr. October. He's, what month did he, he die in? <laughs> he's... You know, he... He's obviously uh, a, a, an interesting guy. He lives a dangerous life and all that. I just don't buy the fact that he's into super. He's into like comic books. Like it may mm-hmm. be like a passing interest. Like kind of oh, this one thing I've noticed. But you know, and again, this this speech yeah, it does not stand up to. And plus, he also says, uh, "Well, Superman, uh, the mythology of that, he's unique. He's uh, unique in that way." And I thought. Uh, Wonder Woman. Um, yeah, you could make the argument for the X Men. Yeah, but you uh, get you get that about Batman all the time. Is Batman the real man? Is you know, it's 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 just shit. It is just it's someone stretching for an example. It goes on forever. It's not particularly accurate anyway. It plays as someone who has just seen. Now we know Tarantino has seen everything, and I'm sure, like just like Patrick Stewart, um, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he's read tons of Superman, but the whole thing comes. Who's just seen like Superman 1978, and that's it. Yeah, just don't like this. Don't like it at all. Yeah, but you know, anyway, he makes his point, and they uh, and he drugs her, and then uh, 
and they get yeah, and he's and all this bullshit is actually waiting for the drug to kick in. Yeah, and it's because he wants to ask her, and he starts with, "Did you think that whole sort of life for yourself in Texas was going to work?" And she was, she's like, "No." Yeah, I mean, why couldn't this not? Ha- he could have just asked that question anyway. And she probably would have answered it. Yeah. No. What, possible, what possible reason would there be for her to go? Yeah, because it's gone. The guy's dead. What's happened's happened, and I'm pretty sure she would have just said, "Yeah, I, I don't think it would have actually." No, rather. Oh, even she said, "Yeah, I think it would." And she'd be like, "Oh, come on, really? You should have priced it you out." Don't of need, a... You don't need to shoot her in the leg with some homemade concoction you monologue about first. Yeah, you just don't. Yeah, I, I, I kind of would have preferred just like a bit more of a fleshed out, like you know, natural dialogue scene, really. Because mm. yeah, that's one of the things Quentin's really good at, his dialogue. So, you know, he is, but it, it plays like a parody of him here. Yeah. And we're, we're going to come to something very similar next week where I'm just like, oh, fuck, that doesn't work either. So, yeah, this isn't this isn't his best spell, to say the least. And it actually plays like it's a separate suit shoot from Kill Bill 1, which we know it wasn't, because mm. there was nothing that jarring in the first film. But then maybe that's because there was a lot less dialogue. Yeah, it's a lot more action... Um, focused really, but maybe this should have been like two, like a two-hour film. Both you know, both volume one and two should have been just put together as like ah fuck. It should have been in four or five parts on Netflix. Frankly, the whole thing. Netflix didn't exist then, but I mean, in, in the current, <laughs> yeah, they, they should, he should have invented coming Netflix. in fifteen years' time. <laughs> he should have invented Netflix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the things he absolutely hates, by the way, because it's not cinema. No, no, I get all that, but you know, anyone can be wrong. I, I, yeah, I just think you either do this in one and make it an absolute epic, or you break it down and make make it episodic. He broke it down into chapters, mm. you know. But there you go. So, what else does he ask her? Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't ask her for a tit wank or anything, does he? <laughs> no. What does he ask her? I genuinely can't remember now. I think I think there, there, there was there was questions within a question, wasn't there? There was kind of like. Oh, he yeah. Uh, I think he sort of asks about why. Um, yeah. And she tells him about when she finds out she was pregnant, and we get a flashback then, which is one of the few parts of this film that really, really works. Because we cut to the hotel room where she's, she she goes off on a mission. She's sick. She explains that she like threw up and all the rest of it on the way there. So she starts thinking about pregnancy. So she's in the hotel room. Checks. She finds out she's pregnant just as like an assassin turns up at the door, pretending to be like the hotel manager or something. First off, I love the fucking way she kicks the door shut. The, that sort of spin she does on it. But I just love the fact that they're they're there, two young women with guns on each other, and one is trying to look at a pregnancy test to verify what the other is saying, whilst not losing their gun on each other. But she doesn't understand what the result of the test is telling her. Yeah. So it's like, well, look it on the packet. I actually I like that. It's one of the few bits of the film that works. I mean, I, again, it's a flashback scene that I think completely unnecessary because it's like, well, you just explain it in two lines of dialogue. Um, but, you know, I, w- one of the things I do like about it is like right at the very end where the door shuts and you just see the hole, the gun aimed, she puts it down and goes, congratulations, and then runs off. 
I like that about myself. Uh, yeah. No, I, I quite like this scene. Um, and I, it showed, I don't know whether the stunt person did it, but assuming Uber Thurman did that spin on the door, I thought, yeah, she's really worked hard on this. But again, it, it's just so fucking what, really? Mm-hmm. Um, so we end up with that. Uh, and then I think they end up outside, don't they? Yeah. Bill, Bill's now drinking. Just looking like but I, I'm pissed. still. I'm st- bear in mind, as I said last week, I'd seen a script to this, so I'm waiting for them to say good night and get up and fight at dawn on the beach. Mm. So when she all of a sudden leans in and pokes him in the chest five fucking times, I was like, "Oh fuck, really?" Because <laughs> it happens quite quickly. They're not there very long, actually. And no. if I get the table, it's like I thought. East explaining, he thought she died and all the rest of it. Um, uh, in the script, right? You know when you have the big samurai fight at the um, um, on the beach because they do they do reference that uh, as if to say they were going to do that like, before we have like some like old Samuel old, old samurai warriors or whatever. Like, does does she still do the the five point art trick at the end? Or I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Or is it just like a, mind, like a, just a I read behead. it between one and two, so I read it fourteen years ago. Hmm. So I I really don't remember, but I don't think so. I don't think you'd go on a beach and have a sword fight and then suddenly stand right next to each other so you can poke him in the chest five times. Yeah, but you would have felt like you got your money's worth had you had a bit of a an actual sword play. And I know, just iconically, it would have looked better and it would have been another defining image in her career, hmm. along with the yellow jumpsuit, her on a beach in a bridal outfit, but. We got what we got, and she just suddenly leans in and does this sort of five thing with a bit of a spin in it as well. And it's like I just, I couldn't believe it because I knew what had happened instantly. It was like oh that's the five fucking point palm exploding heart technique, and I was suddenly like oh god that's going to be it now because he's dead. He's he's dead. He's a dead man. I walking. mean I mean it's it's clear that was going to happen when when like watching the film now in hindsight. As soon as they introduce it, when like. Um... When Bill starts talking about it, you think, yep, that that's going to become a thing. That's going to be that. What's going to happen? Yeah, oh no, it, it is now. But bear in mind, first time I saw yeah. it, I read the script. So even though, as you watch a film, you would go, "Well, the obvious payoff to that is that," I'd read yeah. a script that said different, and I know that was. I now know with hindsight that that script was real. Um, that was a real script for this film and they just didn't end up doing all of it. In fact, it was a real script for Kill Bill, the whole thing. Mm. Um, but obviously I was only really focused on the part two bits. Um, and that's about it, really. Um, he get, he makes peace with her, gets up, walks. I think the whole point is you die after five steps, which he does. And that's it. And then falls down and... We get yeah, a, yeah. We get a, a big ending with a. Well, we BB. get a double ending. We get a double ender. No, we get a double, <laughs> we get a double ending, don't we? We get um. BB. We get, Bill. Well, Bill we, get, and we get. Well, no, we, we get um. Well, we get BB, which is uh, I never thought of that. You're absolutely right. We get her the next morning in a hotel room crying, and then which way round is it? We get Malagiera Salarosa first. And then we get Good Night Moon, don't we? Mm. That sounds right. Both, both brilliant. 
Well, it says something about this film that my favourite bit is the end of it. Right at the end, yeah. But it isn't It isn't that kind of, oh, my favourite bit was when it ended. I don't mean it like that. I just mean, literally, my favourite bit is the two fucking credit sequences at the end. It's because they are well done. It, it's not because it's finished. It's because I like both songs. And I like the editing of all of it. And I like the fact that it makes the film we've just seen feel more epic than it does than it is and it ties it to the first one yeah it treats kill bill as one film so all the credits have got the the crazy 88 in there and everything love it and uh yeah we see the all, all the names being crossed off apart from uh l driver which is comes up with question, question mark. mark yeah um which you know but i can see her coming back in if if they ever do a volume three she, well, the first thing will... i thought was satoichi yeah, the the blind blind swordsman. Yeah, yeah. So I can see that happening. That's worth seeing, by the way. That came out in two thousand and three. Anyone? What? There's been loads of them, but the the last one was um, two thousand and three. Zatoichi, worth seeing. Uh, that and uh, Blind Fury with uh, Rugger Howard. And uh, one top bastard. With, well, 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 we're just naming random shit now, are we? Yeah, but uh, no, that is actually uh, a film with Rugger Howard playing a blind guy with a sword. So. Uh, and at first sight with Val Kilmer <laughs> <laughs> and children of a lesser god alright she's dead but close enough <laughs> and sensible woman sorry Al Pacino um. <laughs> but there you are um, so uh, I guess that's volume 2 done uh, in record time um, it's very rare we undercut the length of a film, but I've got anything to fucking say about it. This was a, an enormous disappointment at the time. I don't think it's a bad film, particularly. I, I, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it helps if you can get through one and two together. I, I really do believe that. I think it, I don't know that over. I don't think if you tr- treat one and two as one film. I think tonally it's so all over the place, and you've got such a crescendo in what would be the middle that I don't think it quite works. But if you watch it sort of Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace style, one as a continuation of the other close together, you get a bit more out of this. Yeah. I just thought it was the first time in his career, and we're going to get another example next week, where Tarantino fucked up doing Tarantino dialogue. It didn't really work for me. We spend all the wrong... or We spend altogether far too much time on all the wrong things, I don't, you know, forget what I think of the actor, and it's clear I'm not a big fan, but we don't need to follow Michael Madsen for 20 minutes. We just really fucking don't. So what? He's, he's got become sh- such a failure, so perhaps well, not. He's, well, he's got, you know, it, you can communicate that quicker than watching him fucking around in some titty bar. We don't exactly. need it. It's not all. like he's like a tragic hero. It's not interesting, and he's not a likable character because Michael Madsen doesn't do likable. I haven't seen Free Willy, to be fair, or Complimentary Penis. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, he doesn't... <laughs> I, do, I, do, I do remember going to see the Free Willy Well movie at the cinema years and years and years and years and years ago. And, yeah. But you, so do you say the Free Willy Whale movie? Whale. As opposed to the Free Willy Otter movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I just think, but you know, we, we, we spend all together, we're spending, a, you know, if he had a hint of a, bit of a bit of a tragic figure to him, which I think is what they're going for, then fair enough, but Michael Madsen can't do fucking likeable. Um, so he's, he's the Catherine Zeta Jones of the male B movie fucking stars. Um, just totally unlikable as a character. L Driver's great, 
Uma Thurman is even better in this than last week, if that's possible. It's the same shoot, so it's it's a similar performance, but it's all focusing on bits. She just plays really well. We get her as the young sort of greenhorn with Pai Mei. She's really great at, at that. We get her as a mother, which I think it takes being a mother to be able to do, which Uma Thurman is and was back then too. Um but yeah, I, yeah, I think that, Carradine's that, great. He's not who I'd have cast, but yeah. he's great. Um, and so that, that was an element, though, wasn't it? I mean, the fact that Ellen Furman actually had um, was pregnant um, before the shoot. Uh, they that waited, drove, yeah, well, yeah. it was going to be shot earlier because actually the script to Kill Bill was a thirtieth birthday present for her, which mm. means that was in like something like April two thousand. So, because I remember looking that up and thinking, Christ, it took three and a half years to, for them to get it to the screen from there. She had a baby in between. Then she had to do all the training because it was a physical role and so on. So she gave birth and it was like a year later they started shooting. So, I mean, there is plenty of the, in this film to like, but Tarantino's dialogue sounds off in this film. His sense of pacing is off. And he's focusing on things he clearly cares about, but arguably we don't, certainly I don't, because, like I say, 20 minutes with Michael Madsen. Well, you know, Quentin Tarantino's cast him three times. He's a Michael Madsen fan. I'm not. I don't need 20 minutes on this unlikable loser's life. I really don't. And when we finally get to Bill, which should be this epic showdown, they waste time on silly things like fucking some sodium pentothal fucking stand-in and talking about Shogun assassins and talking about fucking... uh, Getting Superman Superman wrong. And a whole fucking anecdote about a bloody goldfish. I don't care. Um, So this film was a massive, massive disappointment at the time. It's one of those films that, because it is slower than part one, I keep expecting to find all these hidden depths in, if you like, and I never do. I have to say... This is the weakest Tarantino film we've covered so far. It's going to get worse. We've got we've got worse to come. But of the first five entries we've covered in this series, not counting from Dust Till Dawn, obviously, um, this was a disappointment and it remains so. And five months waiting five months after part one, I, I can't help but still find this a film that's a bit disappointment disappointing. Now, not like unlike Becca. I haven't just seen it like once, like on release, and that's it. But I've probably seen Kill Bill, the first one, maybe four or five times as much. So yeah, disappointing. Yeah, I, I kind of think uh, Tarantino uh, knew the first one was more sellable. So I, I, th- I think maybe when it came to making this, maybe he put less. Should we say? maybe subconsciously put less effort into it and kind of just and maybe kind of like fleshed it out a bit more than it needs to be to kind of make it try and make it more of a film i I don't know i don't don't know what happened with this but you know i i say i think it's gotten i i I, it's improved for me with further watches though i do agree with what dave is saying um i would rather kill bill be one cohesive film uh at, at least i'd rather see the whole bloody affair you know i mean i, I understand maybe splitting the two films or as, a, as an experiment maybe but then yeah i don't know why he hasn't just released it as just one big feature length thing now you know i mean how, fuck how long has it been um so yeah maybe maybe that would work but i, I do think i do i agree with david yeah i think it works better as a back-to-back watch with volume one. Uh, but yeah, as I said before, it's got its flaws. It's, it's unsatisfying. 
because it it doesn't sort of build up on, on some of the promises that are in uh, Volume One. But you, you, her and Bill should have been epic, mm. and I don't necessarily mean in length scale. I'm not quite sure what I mean by the word epic in this context, actually. But yeah, what we got was just like so fucking what? Yeah, I after mean, all of that. I mean, to be honest, I don't even mind the fact that it went down the way it did. I mean, but had there like been something between that, like, let's just say, with like they had a they had a fight halfway through the film, you know, hypothetically, like, yeah. and nothing became of it. You wouldn't feel cheated had that happened at the end because you said, well, we had a fight elsewhere, uh, and and there would have been maybe if there was the die that was better. Like, at the end, you know, between the two, it would have felt a little bit more like we saw a battle of words rather than swords. And then, you know, do you know what I mean? So maybe maybe that would have probably worked better. I just think, yeah, I, 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 I don't think the the film kind of backed up on its promise so much. Um, but, hey-ho, there's, there's, there's stuff in it that I like. So, there you are. Okay. Yeah, I can't really do much more than echo you guys. I mean, you know, I do agree with kind of what you said, but I think I did enjoy the first one more. Um, having watched this one again, um, like you said, you, you know, you do want to look for the sort of little hidden gems. Um, I mean, there, there are some to be found, but just not as much as in, in the first film. Um, as you said earlier, this is kind of this is more of the Shaw Brothers homage with the training sequence. Um, and, the, and the two songs at the end, obviously, and the Pai character. She didn't even drink any eggs. Rubbish. Just shocking. Um, she ran up steps, though. Yeah, she ran up a lot of steps and didn't quite manage to punch herself out of that coffin. But that's another story. Um, yeah, I, I think had, had this film... Uh, obviously, now it's a trend with the films to be chopped, in, chopped into half. Um, or three quarters or however which way the director wants to chop it up. Um... I think had this particular been like one overarching three and a half hour epic, then it may have been better. Um, but yeah, because it's been sliced into two films, um, and the second one does fall down slightly, and perhaps didn't for me personally didn't live up to the hype. Um, but still, I mean, Kill Bill, it's you know it's a story that um, that Tarantino needs to tell, um, and you know he, he can't, he's working way working his way through the genres. And you can tell he's a big fan of, of Asian sort of and um, like and kung fu cinema, for example, as well. So that's really clear to see, um, and it's worthwhile, you know, entry. And it's, you know, he puts his stamp right on it. But for me, sadly, this I was sort of let down by the second half of this epic saga. Damn you, Quentin! Shakes fist. It's certainly more experimental, isn't it? This one. Yes, I would say yeah. It's kind of more. Um, he'll put like his own spin on it. But yeah, I, I can tell maybe that his heart might not be in it as much as it was the first time round. I mean, despite the stylistic choices that, that he goes with. Yeah, um, yeah I, I kind of get the impression that he doesn't... His heart, it, maybe it is, I don't know. Um, but his heart well, just he isn't in it as much. Uh, he struggled with soundtrack for a long time with it. It was the overarching theme of the delay that he couldn't mm. get the soundtrack as he wanted it. No. And there just comes a point where you've got to put it out. You know what I mean? And I almost felt when I went to see it, it was like they just got to a point where I was like, I'll fucking put it out. Uh, It's hard, can't have been in it any less overall because it was the same shoot. But I just think struggling with it in post-production, I do wonder if he just got to a point that's like, I've got to put this out. 
yeah. maybe he never quite got it to where he wanted so, it to be. So maybe if he like left it like for a year, and then like and finished it properly, it may have turned out better. Leave it three years. Pick up with the bride on Hoth. Yeah. What, David? That, that's where it's going to go. No, uh, that's Roth. <laughs> Pick up with the bride on no, no, I was thinking Hasselhoff for a second. Oh, has, on the oh, Hoth. Not the Hoth. The Hoth. Yeah. God, he doesn't drop dead now. I've been looking for freedom. Uh, the whole cast of everything we mentioned don't die the moment we mention them, honestly. But <laughs> I, know, I know they don't, but I'm just paranoid now. Oh, yeah. a legend. Yeah. Oh, it's well. like Germany, you're really going to miss him because he's like a massive star in Germany. It's always good. It's always good. The most random ones, isn't it? Yeah. I love the fact that, like, I I heard he was a huge star in Germany about twenty years ago, right? He still is. And now we repeat it constantly that he is, and I've got no idea if that's still the case. I think it might be, you know. I mean, that's like saying Chesney Hawks is a big star here. Uh, it's like well, he was. No, that's not a fact. Point. Yeah, but it was. It, it was for a couple it was of years years ago. I shall ask. I shall ask the German friends that I have, and see what the they German say. Cool. When I worked in financial I services, like, well, I say ex-colleagues. When I worked in financial services, um, preparing work that would be sent to the German market. You were a loan shark. No. So okay. So <laughs> did you break anyone's thumb? No, I worked in an office. Did you? So did you send so, anyone out to break anyone's thumb? <laughs> no. Sadly not. Have we just learned something new about Becca? Like she used to. Fun fact about me: things I will not tell anybody, but I'll gradually reveal. Well, no, I mean, back to your actual original point. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I had everything worked properly, it would have come out in February. Yeah. And I feel like they struggled with it for a while, and it sudden and and that didn't get pushed back in one hit. It got pushed back incrementally. Like then it was March for a bit, then it was April for a bit, and suddenly it was May. It wasn't like, yeah, it was almost like eventually they went put it out. He seems happy with it. I mean, he's a, he's a great promoter of his of himself anyway, but he has spoken very highly of this film in the past as as though it's one of his favourites. So maybe everything I'm saying is completely wrong, and and he, it's exactly as he wanted it to be. But it's the first time I thought this isn't quite working. And when I f- remember a torturous post-production, it doesn't surprise me the end result doesn't really work. But there you go. Um, so, <laughs> that's Kill Bill Volume 2, guys. Um, at last, at long last. Still, at least, at least we've got a classic next week. <laughs> Mm. What with uh, Grindhouse? It's my it's my preference out of the two. What? Just what? In, in terms of like goriness. What are you on about? Well, I, I prefer. Yeah, I, I know Planet Terror. Yeah, I know Planet Terror seen as the better film. Is it? I, I, th- I thought they were both seen as pretty shit, but pretty crap. Are... But that, that's Grindhouse, isn't it? That's just like the whole genre. What? Yeah, we'll go into that next week because I think making something deliberately shit. Is a waste of my time, but there you go. Oh, but no, I, I, went, I went to that midnight double no, bill, and I was not, just like, "Oh, never again." Not if it, it was ironic, Dave. I know it's just yeah. like well, you know, uh, oh, yeah. Okay, we'll get to it. But yeah, but that's less that's uh, less about machete. Um, 
And the fake oh, traders are, are the only good bit of the whole fucking experience. Yeah, the fake yeah. traders are fantastic. I really enjoyed those. Yeah, I think Thanksgiving Don't. is probably the best thing. Machete there. in space. Uh, yeah, we're well, we... that up, okay. I know. <laughs> I think I, it's yeah. like how ridiculous they can get. I think um, Thanksgiving is probably the best thing Eli Roth's actually ever done. Is that is that, is that got the one with the cheerleader jumping up yeah. and down the yeah. Yeah. and then landing on a knife whilst he was Yes. And then like, they yeah, serve, like, now, there'd never been a horror film made about Thanksgiving, and now there it is. Yeah, um, I can't remember. Uh, the mo- I mean, Machete is probably actually the best of the trailers. He gets the women. Um, <laughs> it's just a shame I, the film they made of it was crap. I, I yeah, that was terrible. The trailer is better than the film. the film. I've deliberately avoided the film on that basis. That like I'll just remember that trailer. You know I the did, trailers. I be did like what I did like Werewolf Women of the SS. Yeah. As an idea, but yeah, no, the trailers are all great, and we remember them. I mean, I'm going to because I watched it yesterday. But like, I could have named the trailers six months ago from something I'm seen for like eight years because they really do stand out. They're really memorable. The film's bloody awful though, but um, <laughs> at least list. at least there in its defence. I do think it's a fucking waste of my time to do it, but at least they were trying to do an homage to a genre. And the fact that that genre is complete fucking bollocks uh, doesn't actually, I suppose, negate the exercise totally. The film we watched tonight disappointed me, to be honest. I was a bit bored by it. I struggled to get through it. It's too long. It doesn't hold its running time really well. And and we're going to get to longer Tarantino films that I don't struggle with. Don't struggle with Inglorious Bastards at all, which is longer than this. Yeah, I didn't struggle with that, but then I struggled with Hateful Eight again, which is different again. But I, I don't know. I think maybe I just kind of lost my way with Tarantino by that point. Mm. But anyway, we'll get there. Okay. But anyway, I'm feeling kind of... I don't think I know much about this film. Um, I, w- I was just thinking, uh, I bet Chris is really fucking lacking in any knowledge whatsoever. And, <laughs> well, and was, in general. And, and, and I was about to point it out, but then it suddenly occurred to me, shit, I don't know anything either. So I need some help. Okay, so here are my five fun facts about Kill Bill Volume 2. Okay. <laughs> I have something in my eye, so I couldn't actually read my fun facts. Hold on. That's fact number one. Becca has something in her eye. I, I'm just picturing uh, Steve Martin in the jerk reading that letter when that when the woman leaves him, and he's got and the dog. He's managed to get it wet, but he reads it as like all the ink is run. So he's like, <laughs> I have this giant hand since. Right, fun fact number one. Um, originally Tarantino wanted to have Pome, um speak Cantonese, and then obviously like his lips read Cantonese, and then his voice be. Um, Overdubbed in English, like in a really bad job. Um, apparently, the old-fashioned kung fu movies. Apparently, it's going to be Tar- it's going to be Tarantino who does that. He does, does the, the English dub. voice. Yeah, that yeah, would he, yeah, he did the English voice. But brilliant. Then that would have been amazing. But I, 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 I can't see that working. That would have. Oh been no, I can, I can. No, I can hear it. I can hear it in my head. Yeah, and like, would the end result sound like what's in my head? I don't know, but what's in my head really works. I could, yeah, I, could I, I don't know. I just can't imagine. I think it would have undersold Pyme having Pyme. It would have done. It, a, it would have made it pure comedy. Yeah, yeah. But I think it would have taken the seriousness out of his character. Although he does have a few laughs. Um, Has a few yeah, chuckles. Of a few, oh, jars, few laughs. Pyme, a great bunch of lads. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. 
yeah, I think that would have been like the ultimate tribute to like the seventies kung fu movies that were badly dubbed in English. Do you know whenever I watch a Bruce Lee film, which is, hasn't been for a few years now, but do you know what? Of all the fil- last week, I couldn't remember the other Bruce Lee <laughs> film in that box set. It's Fist of Fury. You wouldn't think I'd forget that, would you? That's it, Fist of Fury. Um, but his voice, the voice that dubs him, it isn't the same guy because I've looked, but it sounds so much like He Man from the cartoon. All right. I never noticed that before. Mm. But anyway, sorry, cool. Oh. Does he go, I have the power? No. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia. No, he just shakes yeah. Shira and gets. Shira, <laughs> Shira. Anyway, moving on. So, anyway, yeah, we spotted Esteban earlier. Um, the story Esteban tells Bill in the movie theatre is a story that Kurt Russell apparently told Quentin Tarantino. Which I think I is can't quite remember interesting. That story, even though I saw the film tonight, what was the story? Just what was the gist? Was it even about? Uh, he was he was sucking his thumb, looking at uh, the actress in Postman Always Springs Twice. So that's how he knew he had a thing for blondes. Yeah, Marilyn right. Monroe. Oh, I see what you mean. So, oh, what the which version of the Postman Only Rings Twice? Because there's been two of them. Uh, Must have been, I think it's the, the earlier one. Yeah, because it was remade in 1981 with Jack Nicholson and Jessica Lange, and that film. Mm, so really Marilyn Monroe. Good. It's steamy. I know it wasn't. It wasn't Marilyn Monroe in the original Postman Always Rings Twice. I need to look no, that up. No, but that's that's who. Um, Hang on, is, is it the Postman Always Rings Twice? Or... I'm confused. Uh, uh, the Postman Always Rings Twice. The 1981 version's fucking awesome. I really like it. But the 1946 version has Lana Turner. That's it. So that's fun, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Becca with actual official facts. Um. Okay, so fine fact number three, the boots Uma Thurman wears when buried alive are the same ones that Michael Madsen wears in Reservoir Dogs. I just wanted that, thought that was quite fun. Yeah, to be fair, Uma Thurman has massive feet, so that's possible. <laughs> well, she's quite tall. She's a British size 10, which is like American size 11 or something. She's got yeah. big feet. Um, next fun fact, there's probably Which probably means inch. she has a massive penis as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can cut that to make it sound like he's got a three-inch penis. Um, yeah, so my three-inch punch is, of course, a reference to Bruce Lee's three-inch knockout punch. And my final fun fact is that Ricardo Montalban was originally cast to play Esteban. Yeah, that would have worked. Which connects us, obviously, to the Star Trek series. Would he have shown off his uh, huge chest, though? It's epic chest hair. I saw, a, I saw, just off the point, I saw a picture of Ricardo Montalban from about 1990. No, it was about 2004 or something like that. And he was in a wheelchair. Uh, one of the reasons that he was so developed in the upper body was him trying to compensate for his leg problems, keep keep his the trunk of his body strong. He did end up in a wheelchair, Ricardo Montalban. So yeah, he could he could have been he could have been there saying, "Look at my man breasts." <laughs> and her saying, well, he's her saying, where's Bill? And she's saying, forget that. Look at these. <laughs> I, right, I want Kirk all to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kirk and I'm here to twerk. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Why has nobody said that before? Why would they? Because it rhymes, it's funny. Oh, dear, dear. Anyway, well, so get get, get Shatton on, shat on the phone, get him to uh, get yeah, get say that line. Say, Do you twerk? If not, why not? Can right. you twerk? Moving on. 
I just had some image of like Bill of uh, William Shatner like today returning to the role as James T. Kirk. <laughs> Just, it just made me laugh. I'll put tumbleweeds in on the edit. Carry on. Oh, Dave, come on! It's almost like it's almost like uh, Roger Moore. Come on, well, I know, like... I know. I do remember that we talked about it during Octopussy. I hated him as Bond, but I would have loved him as Bond when he was like eighty-six <laughs> or something. Hundred seventy-two. So, where can be found on social media, guys? Chris, we, hang on a minute. God, you should have you should have eased us into the end of the factage much better than that because I'm a bit traumatised now. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't realise I was done learning. That's all the facts I have, unfortunately. Oh, well. That's, oh. That, that, that's fun followed by desolation and pain, folks. <laughs> oh. You can find me at the Pasty 1976 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Cinematronics on Twitter. Uh, you can also find uh, this podcast at cinematronics.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter at expect us talk. You can drop us an email at expect us talk at gmail.com. You can also type in do you expect us talk on YouTube and find us there. And we're also on do you expect us talk on iTunes. Um, please give us a growing five star review as it helps us to attract more of the listener type people. Allegedly. Allegedly, so they tell us. Um, I, I don't know also why. Facebook I, as well. I don't know why I say you can find this podcast at this website because you've already found this podcast. So. Why am I telling you again? Ah, yeah, but actually, no. The lo- the further we go into like our run, the more relevant that is. Because if you go to iTunes now, you can't get our first like thirty episodes or whatever. Oh uh, yeah. So it is worth knowing our website address because uh, in a minute, virtually all of Bond will have disappeared. Um, mm. I mean, the train. The, the what about on iTunes. The commentaries. I'm talking about iTunes. The commentaries will still be there. Literally within about four or five episodes, like the Bond rankings episode, for example, will disappear. So um, if you want our old episodes, you can just go to the website and they are all still there because that's where the feed obviously draws from in the first place. We'll need to advertise that. We just did. We need to make a mention of that as well. Let's put it on like in the adverts during Coronation Street. Yeah. That's on the BBC. We'd have to say, come and watch this non-commercial podcast. (laughs) On Channel 4. Damn you, iTunes 4. I don't know if that's fixable. I don't know if there's money. I don't know how you get around that. But yeah, it seems either the last 75 or 80, I forget which episodes are there. And that's it. And of course, we're at 100. Actually, 8 now by the time you listen. No, 109 even because we've done charity and... It, it seems to be a thing for podcasts here, like on iTunes. It just seems to like go after a certain number. Yeah, so, we're just trying to make space on their um, on their server. Yeah, so obviously, if we've done a hundred and it is um, seventy five, for example, the chances are the first thirty four episodes aren't there. Well, our original run of Bond, we we could just like repost them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I was wondering if we could do like a director's commentary. We talk over our review. <laughs> I, well, actually, the James Bonding podcast is reviewing them all again, and I was wondering if should we just do like another ten series or so, and then just do Bond again? Well, like a revisionist kind of. Yeah, Maybe. we'll be old. We'll be older and wiser. Um, yeah. Join us for hearing us repeat the same I'm, I'm shit over like, again. I'm in like five or six years' time or something. 
we'll just do Bond again. Is this after we've done all the westerns? After we've done all the westerns. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh god, yeah, we're doing all the westerns, aren't we? Honestly, we've got loads of series to do. It would take us years, but like when we get to a point where we're just like don't know what to do next. Yeah, it'll, do... it'll get it'll get to the point where we actually feel like uh, create a whole new fan base, and it'll like uh, it'll be like finally we come to Bond. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, wow. the, what... It's funny because they named a bit like a Bond. <laughs> sort of quote. So I, I'm surprised they've not thought of doing it before. <laughs> I don't think I want to redo. I don't. I, I want to redo the rankings episode though, because I just think that would undermine myself. <laughs> I've changed my it'd mind. Be interesting um, to do that again. Sorry. Maybe if, if it would be interesting to do the rankings again, maybe a few years on. Yeah, but I would just copy what I said the first time. I want. I want to. Give, I, I just want to give myself credibility. I might. I, I. I'd put uh, Octopus at number one just to piss Dave off. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's got no credibility at all. That's just <laughs> absolute bollocks, isn't it? Somewhere, yeah. some out oh, yeah. there. I just somewhere basically, may like basically, it. basically, just to imply that I've rethought it, I'll swap my number fourteen and fifteen or something. <laughs> and that'll just be it. After hard oh, consideration, oh, oh, diamonds are forever slightly up. No. Oh, well, I could swap that with Octopussy because I fucking hate both. You might, you might lower rank uh, Goldeneye. Because you feel like, feel like, well, I've given it a higher one before, now I can... Well, actually, I ranked it a little bit on the basis of, I can't like it any lower than that, it's beloved. Mm. And then you put it at, like, 17th or something, and I thought, well, if I knew he was going to fucking do that, <laughs> so I might have the balls to rank it a bit lower, because it's the most overrated load of old shit. <laughs> Albeit with the best henchwoman in the series, apart from Fiona Volp. Mm. So, yeah, we might do Bond again one day, we'll see. I, I wouldn't rule it out because, like, the precedent has been set now that a couple of series have like revisited. Like, all right then. Uh, I, was, mm. I was thinking about this uh, today. What commentaries are have we got left to do? Uh, I can run through a sequence. We haven't done Doctor No. We haven't done Thunderball. We haven't done Diamonds. We haven't done Live and Let Die. Well, we have done Live and Let Die, but we haven't released Live and Let Die, and we need to do it again because our first go was. Well, Crap. I was drunk. Let's be fair. Um, uh, man with the gold, uh, man with the gold gun. We haven't done. Oh, that'd be a good one. I think. We that'd be a good done, one. I think diamonds. Done... I'm surprised we haven't done diamonds one yet. No, we haven't done octopus. That, that would that would just be two hours of us shouting abuse at the screen. Uh, <laughs> we haven't done octopus. We have we have done a view to a kill, but we've agreed offline previously we're going to do it again. Uh, that's no disrespect to Mark O'Connell, who was an absolute delight to have on he the show. He was fantastic. But if there's one critique we've ever had of that episode, it's we didn't talk about the film very much. Um, and it's ripe for like comedic stylings. So we're yeah. going to do that again at some point. Yeah, we, we, haven't it, done it, the... we just should have been like an interview with him, really, shouldn't we? Done that, should have done that. Yeah, yeah. Should have done that I'm, I'm glad we but... got to do it with him because it's, fa- it's his favourite film. Yeah. So I, I don't have any regrets. But it's no insult to him to say we're going to do it again. Not because there was anything wrong the first time, but we want to do a pure commentary of it. Yeah. We haven't done The Living Daylights. We haven't done Goldeneye. Ooh. We haven't done Tomorrow Never Dies. Ooh. We haven't done Casino. We haven't done Casino Royale or Quantum of Solace. So there's still plenty. Yeah. And we haven't done Never Say Never Again, of course. Oh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, Damn it. So, so whose choice is it next? I don't know. No. We're like. Becca's okay. Becca, do you know what you're going to choose, or I thought, wait, what did wait. I say? I think I said Goldeneye, maybe. All right. I can't Gold remember nine. what I, I cannot remember what I said. You yeah. haven't said anything, but you've now said Goldeneye, so all right. You can change your mind. You can surprise us. So two hours of me going, what a camp twat compared to Dalton. <laughs> and me going, oh, I love Brosnan. 
Yeah, got to um, watch because he's stiff as fuck in that film and not in the fun way. But I'm sure. Uh, I might change my mind. So we'll see. Okay. Well, Goldeneye, they, they all need to be done at some point, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, yeah. we haven't done a... We've got two Brosnans left. We've got um, four Conneries left, if you can't never say never again. Um, we haven't got... We we did a lot of Roger Moore because they're funny, so you you pick them to do. But I, feel still, bad about, I feel bad about putting you through your octopus again, though. I don't give a shit. It's all right. I'll just sit and ridicule it. It doesn't really matter. It's a crap film. Yeah, but that's the thing, so, like, you'll, you'll end up enjoying it. You, it'll be more bearable watch because you'll be watching it with us. So it'll, yeah, be... it'll be better for you. Diamonds are forever. I mean, no, even even some of our epi- early episodes that I thought were good at the time, I go back and they do sound a little stiff now because we're, we're just more us now over time. Um, and the further you go back, the further we travel from like what we are now. Um, Diamonds are forever is our first fucking bona fide class- classic episode. Mm. Um, and uh, the thing is, I always thought um, Majesties was. But when I listen back to it, we're trying too hard. Diamonds Are Forever is the first one where I went, it's fucking bollocks. Everyone fell around, fell about laughing. We totally relaxed and then ripped it a new arsehole for two hours. <laughs> um, and we've never been the same since. That episode changed what this podcast is, and it's because we ripped it for two hours. And then just thought, fuck it, let's put that out. Um, I Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I, there is not a film in the series I'm not happy to watch. Octopussy is the one I find hardest to watch because I get bored with it. Um, but there's not a film in the series I'm I'm unhappy to watch, and there's not a film in the series I wouldn't actually look forward to. I'm really glad we put the Bond commentaries between series. I can't wait to do the next one, whatever it is. I really love getting to like, oh, it's Bond commentary time. Love it. Yeah. Um, there is a possibility, and only a possibility, we may do Moonraker again at some point as well, only on the basis that we lost like about 45 minutes of Chris's audio. Um. So we may do that again, but if we did, that would be really late in the day because the end episode still. The end episode's not bad, but we'll definitely, definitely redo a view to a kill. Um, do you know the, the 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 every time we come up to one, I'm thinking, do we hold a few Connery back because he's getting old? Because mm. we had a Roger Moore episode ready to go when Roger died, and he passed away. So I don't want to finish all of Sean Connery's and then he dies. It's like no. we'll commentate on now as the fucking tribute episode. So maybe get um, the non Connery's out of the way. No, nah, I mean there's, there's about four episodes to go. As long as you don't do them all, I mean Doctor No is still there, Thunder mm. is still there, Diamonds is still there. Although I don't think Hyper- I don't, hy- hypothetically, if you could time it right, not that you ever want to, you know. But yeah. no. it, what, what would be like your your go to uh, chosen commentary uh, to salute, sir? Well, you, you'd have to say from what we've got left, wouldn't you? Um, so Doctor No. To... Well, the first thought's Doctor No because it's the first, mm. and actually, it's probably my favourite of his performances. But then the the, un- the the you know the 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 peak of the series in terms of like grosses and certainly in the US paid admissions and stuff was Thunderball. So, I mean, either of those would do. I wouldn't want him to die, and then it's like, mm. to pay tribute to him, diamonds are forever, and he's looking like <laughs> fat, fat and bored. I mean, look, I mean, look, we could always just go like, yeah, for as a tribute, we could just do like go, uh, Goldfinger again or something, yeah, can't we? We'll just do whatever. Yeah. It's the same episode, but we'll feign tears. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... 
yeah, you you can't think like that. You just go through the episodes. If you run out of series, you, if you run out, of, if you run out, you run out. Mm. You know, it's just one of those things. You just carry on with whatever we're recording anyway. You know, so it it's not really a big deal. I'm not going to commentate on any episodes of Bullseye. Yeah. <laughs> oh look, they want a speedboat, Chris. Oh, it's all too much. Oh, don't want a speedboat. Yeah. Have a look at what you could have won. Yeah, it, sometimes it, it, it was quite harsh, though, wasn't it? Sort of like, oh well, let's have a look, see what the mystery prize was, just to rubbing face. Yeah. Speedboat, bloody hell! Have a look what you could have won, which implies that every episode I watched, they didn't win it. They must have done. They I'm must sure they have did. Done but I don't ever remember him going, "Have a look at what you've won." But he must have done. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I, I don't know what the the rate was, but um, I think the, I think it happened quite a few times when he just lost it. They get to the end yeah. and oh, no. just gamble it, all, gamble it all and just lose it all. And you get uh, really upset. You've lost that tease major one. Shit. Tease quiz show has some rubbish. What was it about tease maids? They're really popular in like the. Too fucking lazy to just pop to the kitchen. Yeah. That's what I love about those back in time for dinner, whatever. You know, those programs on the BBC because you always get some like really naff technology that you don't. I don't have watch anymore. TV, so I've got no fucking idea what you're on about. Oh, but do you have a TV license? Yeah, no, I've got a TV license, but I don't ever like put the TV on to see what's on. No, ever. okay. No, it's just no, it's just one of those nostalgia programs where basically, like a family, they put yeah. they go back in time in air quotes, and they have to kind of like. Well, not yeah. in reality. They have well, not, not in reality. No. They, they just get, for a get, BBC show. They get inside <laughs> the DeLorean and they. And then they put it, it I find you. it. I find it a source of endless amusement that you 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 know what's on TV generally because you reference it now and again. And when a Bond film comes on, and it's, sometimes it's a shit one as well, you'll say, Man with the Golden Guns on ITV4 now. And I'm thinking, A, it's shit, and why would I watch it in st- you know shitty definition with adverts? <laughs> I thought, oh, but, you know, it's a bit quiet the, on the, 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 the little feed. I better put a tweet out. <laughs> well, there's one from one. Oh. No, I, I've never any clue what's on TV. No idea at all. No, I, there's some... I, I watch, like, some... Like quiz, like quiz shows, um, and yeah, some of those. I'll say back in time for dinner, or back in time for the holidays, back in time for the weekend. Those sort of programs, just because um, I, I like kind of like the, the decor and all the clothes they wear. And I think the first couple of series were based on the um, oh, what's it called, the census, um, and so they they were going off that, which is really interesting. But it's quite funny because like especially when they get to like this the seventies and eighties, there's a lot of decor like like my parents had growing up, and like my grandparents <laughs> had that I noticed from like family like photo albums i'm like oh my god um but i just i personally think they're interesting i'm quite interested in like social history and stuff like that um and I, like, I, I like the fact most of the best thing about all of this is that um people are going to download this show and see like i don't know a two hour 15 or two hour 20 minute running time and go they must really dig into the film i can't <laughs> wait to hear this about <laughs> about and a and then, yeah, and then there's 20 minutes on fucking bullseye price. Bullseye. <laughs> Look, we, we've done what Tarantino did. You know, he wasted 20 minutes on Michael Madsen, we'll waste 20 minutes on bullseye. Considering, obviously, Stephen Hawking is, is the more significant passing. Oh, I don't know. Barely mentioned him, but never mind. What, what, what quiz shows did Stephen Hawking ever present? Well. Professor Stephen Hawking. <laughs> I, I think, I think uh, he'd have been best suited to present in 15 to 1 15 <laughs> to oh my god where's that gone 
Well, the presenter's dead now. As, as is. Yeah, that's Sally Thompson presented it, but then now she's doing QI. So. Is she? Fucking hell! You're 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 really knowledgeable on like TV shit. No, just because that's another program that I watch. That's why I know. Yeah. Not many things like. Haven't you ever watched Fifteen to One and thought this would be way better with Professor Stephen Hawking? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right, shall we sign off, people? I think we're giving extra value. (laughs) You get two for the price of one. Really. Well, I don't know, kind of. I'm leaving that baffled palsy. <laughs> All right, Becca, what's next week? Next week, do you expect Stork ventures into Grindhouse territory with Death Proof?